everybody and welcome to another episode of magic with zuby my name is zubni if you're brand new to this show the show is all about a little well-known card game called magic the gathering so on today's episode we brought on none other than dana roach himself of edh rec podcast and command central and we brought him on to talk about well magic um it networking there is a lot of it talk so i do apologize um but there's also a lot of other talk about plenty of magic talk and plenty of commander talk as well, if that's your jam. Um, and we just had a really good conversation about anything and everything, too. It was a lot of fun talking with him and great great guests and great time chatting as well. Um, so before we begin, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. If you want to help support the show, you can help support the show at Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. Um, you can also join the show's Discord as well, which is in the show notes below. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at magicwithzuby, on Instagram at magic underscore underscore zuby. I'm on TikTok as well at mtgzuby. And you can email me at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And I think that's about it it for where you can find me um oh also sponsored by cardsphere uh cardsphere.com uh best place to buy trade sell your magic singles and um really great site to trade around too and let's get on with one quick little commercial and we'll get on with the interview to dana and that is how you beat the latest standard meta with abzan Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... a normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you, the all-new Magic for Normies show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic, magic for, for Normies! normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, pixiekittenplays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic with Zuby RSS feed. Do-do-do-do-do. Magic for normies. Hey everybody, Zuby here, and it's I'm glad to actually be back recording here. I know it's been a while since I've had a recording, um, it's an interview actually, and for the first guest of 2021, we have the awesome Dana Roach of EDH Rec Podcast with me. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm excited to I'm excited <laughs> to be doing this because I have not recorded a podcast, um, like an interview podcast since beginning of December. I think it's been so. Oh, wow. So it's like I've been itching to do this. <laughs> well, cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So, um, you are part of the EDH Rec podcast. Um, t- tell for anybody who doesn't know what that is. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, sure. So EDH Rec, um, I mean, if you play at all Commander, you're probably familiar with the website, but it's a data aggregator. So they take deck lists online and then pull useful information, hopefully, from all those deck lists combined together. Um, at some point, I, I was writing for the website, and at some point we decided it would be interesting to do a podcast talking about different pieces of data that we've pulled. So let's take a look at the top you know, most played blue cards or whatever. Usually we, we dig deeper than that, mm-hmm. but like 
So we started doing a podcast discussing data. And a lot of times we dig into stuff that you can't really get on the website, but that's there. So we can have one of the developers in EHREC behind the scenes say, okay, you know, what is the change in the most popular commanders percent wise over the course of the last two years? That's awesome. You can't really, you know, the, the data is being held behind the scenes somewhere and you as a user can't see it, but mm-hmm. we can get access to it. So we do those kind of things a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's you, Matt and Joey. And Joey Schultz, yeah, Joey yeah. Schultz. and ha- who's the he's the editor of um, EDH Rec in terms of all the writers. He edits all the articles and takes care of all that kind of thing. So he's a, he works for EDH Rec full time. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was about to say, like, is that a side job or something? Because that sounds like full time right there. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> an employee of EDH Rec that has, and they have a handful of people um, that work just for the website, doing either like development work or in Joey's case, working as an editor. Wow. I mean, not to like try to dive into financials and all that stuff, but I didn't realize like they have enough going on to where they can fully employ someone like full time. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. There are multiple developers and I don't even know how many people, but there's a handful of them that are, are part of the team that work full time for EHR. Wow. Holy crap. I didn't realize it was that profitable. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the specifics. Um, Don Miner, who owns EDH Rec and runs it, um, owns his own data warehousing business okay. on the side. So, number one, I think they weren't dealing with hosting costs necessarily um. because he had access to server farms and that kind of thing. <laughs> and number two, he he was doing it as a hobby and, yeah. and didn't need to make money himself doing yeah. it. So that also made it number one very easy to start yeah. if you're not worried about being profitable because you don't have to be profitable yeah. and then he was able to just put a lot of money back in edh rack so oh, wow. he was kind of in a perfect position oh that's awesome that's awesome i didn't realize all mm-hmm. that that's cool um so uh, one of the other reasons i want to bring you on and i am so sorry folks uh, we are going to be getting into magic here maybe some D, <laughs> but you two are a network engineer as well and i am. i i like networking is one of my passions i freaking love it um i i really love my job right now i'm i'm finally i went from sort of a jack of all trades to an it manager um still having to do the jack of all trades thing um, to now finally just being a pure network engineer because and I've been loving it so late a lot of my job um, I'm in healthcare so I, I work I work for a national company and we have um, a lot of contracts with hospitals and outpatient clinics and all that and pretty much a lot of my job is to go in there design a network hand it off to operations and they build it um, and so and I love doing that because every single hospital and clinic is like a brand new challenge of how can we get sure. this done. Um, so so you two are in networking as well too, and you know talk a little bit about that. Yes. Um. So I, I went to school. Did you go to school for for like IT or networking? <laughs> no, I got my degree in computer graphic design. Complete opposite. Okay. <laughs> uh, English lit. Oh, nice. For myself. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be an artist. So gotta, that's that's what I wanted at first. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to be a writer. Um, so I got out of school and was trying to decide if I wanted to go to grad school or what, like the next step. Because yeah. a four-year English degree um, 
is relatively useless, whereas a master's or a PhD is slightly less useless. Right? So Isn't that crazy? To figure out. <laughs> you spend <laughs> yeah. all that freaking money on a four-year degree, and it's like, eh, uh, I get a job right. at Burger King. <laughs> right. So I, I, I had been working part-time while I was going to college, doing like PC tech work at a at a Best Buy-ish yeah. store. Um, just based on like I, I owned a computer and had enough like knowledge of my own. That, and, and we're talking <laughs> the 90s here too. Yeah. Where like there was a lot less people that knew anything. So I was just doing tech work. Um, and as I was figuring out if I wanted to go on to grad school, whatever, or, or figuring out when I wanted to, I didn't have a plan. Um, a buddy of mine that I had worked with at that store had gotten a full-time job at a large retail chain um, doing IT work. And he's like, we're hiring, we need people because we're, we're doing this, we're you know changing their entire computer system over at every store. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll apply and get a job for a year. Yeah. And, you know, make real money until I, until as I do my grad school applications, figure out what I'm doing. I got in there and started doing that job. And at some point, it, which which involved some networking work, at least in terms of like running Cat Five cable in you know hundreds of stores oh, and God. like setting up. We, we did do like real basic level stuff. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. You got involved enough to do that, and at some point after doing that job for a while, and then and then I'm like I'm making okay money and realizing that man I don't know if it's worth going back to get a master's or go for a PhD. And not sure I wanted to teach or try to find a teaching job anyway. Yeah. So I just kept doing it. And then at some point, they realized they needed to put Wi-Fi in at these 300 stores. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, um, you know, we just bought 10,000 access points, so figure it out. And like, gave, <laughs> gave Damn. And, and we're talking 802.11b stuff. Oh, God, gross. Um, like, like, you know, I'm but, but that, but that was two years old. Yeah, but that was like the standard at the time. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. So I'm, I'm 22 years old. I'm like, well, okay, what do I do? I'm looking things up on Google. What's a site <laughs> survey? Oh, it's okay. So I, 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 you know, we have 14 different store configurations. So I guess I go to all 14 stores and do site surveys and figure out where to put the access point. Like yeah. it was that rudimentary. It was handed to me at that level. Figure out, literally, figure out how to do this. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's. In, in the, but then once you do that, and once you have your foot in the door, having that kind of project on your resume, which then took me like you know years to do, mm-hmm. and then f- trying to maintain that network, that kind of set me up at that point in time. Then I can look for a real networking job yeah. because I've gotten the experience from doing all of that kind of stuff. I figured out how to you know set up security in 802.11b. I figured mm-hmm. out how to you know d- do all the things to implement that kind of a big rollout. So I, I was kind of in the right place at the right time. It's, you know, this was like year 2000 or so. There's still not a lot of people necessarily in IT who are trained. Yeah. So I yeah. got to get training, self-teach myself, and kind of work from there. So that's, that, was, that was how I started. And, and in the company I work for now is much, I, I've kind of moved back to being more of a jack-of-all-trades now. Oh, uh, okay. Um, in part because I've got a kid and... Um, uh, not, not to get too personal, but like at one point, my dad got my dad got sick. I guess we're we're being personal. I can tell this yeah. this tale. It's not a, that big of a deal. My dad, who had been a guy who like jumped jobs, so we moved around when I was a kid. Um, you know, every two or three years oh, to a different town because my because my dad was taking like different jobs. He was doing that yeah. that corporate kind of climb, um, and then he got sick. I think two months before he was going to retire. 
um, with cancer oh, and damn. then died shortly there. I mean, in, in the, and then was not the same person. He had a brain tumor and he, oh, had, wow. like, fundamentally, he was, you know, in a, in a wheelchair or using a walker and unable to communicate very well and, and then died. I'm sorry to hear that, so, man. Well, thanks. But it, at this point, that was, this is like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But he had, he lived his whole life essentially working towards his retirement um, and, you know, and missing baseball games and missing, you know, his kids' birthdays and, yeah. and, and moving us all from, from place to place to place. And I, I was, I, I didn't want to do that. So I, I kind of pulled back a little bit and took a job where I, with a smaller company where I had to do more stuff, but also I don't get three in the morning phone calls and I don't have constant projects that, you know, keep me away from, from kind of living life a little bit. So no, that's um, good though. That's good. That's where I'm at right now. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's uh, my journey is quite a bit different. Um, I mean, I'm I'm younger than you, um, and I didn't start. Let's see. My first official IT job would be AOL tech support in a call center. It nice. it was horrible having to deal with grandma and grandpa with dial up modem and and of course. I got super good at walking people through their computer, like Windows, you know, 2000, Windows XP and Vista and all that. Because, you know, back that we weren't allowed to remote into people's computers and all that. So, sure, yeah, yeah. so you had to walk people through. I still vividly remember how to walk people through, how to enter modem strings, uh, whatever the hell they were, um, <laughs> to be able to get their dial-up modem to work again. Um, and... <laughs> And then from there, I mean, I did sort of the call center route, which, by the way, I would never, ever, ever work at a call center ever again. Like, I, I would rather take, you know, a job at McDonald's than ever work at a call center again. I don't know if you ever had to do call center support before. It was it's terrible. Um, the, the company I work for has a call center, um, but. I don't have to deal with it very much because I'm doing most of the work I do is behind the scenes yeah. and there, there's just not much network related that touches what they do. But, but having, I, I'm pretty good friends with the guy who does deal with all the, all the call center tech support work, who does the help desk kind of stuff. And it's, I, I totally understand why you would say that based yeah. on most of his reaction. Well, well I, I'll say it's a bit different because there's, so the call center support work that I started off doing was all like residential people. Right. It, it was all external people. Oh, sure. and, and then when I finally got my okay. first, quote unquote, corporate IT job where I was dealing with internal employees and all that, that was like like night and day difference, because if those employees started being shitty to me, I could go tell my boss and they'll just go to their boss and, you know, tell them like, you know, what the fuck, essentially, what are you doing? You know, sure. at, at least there could be some repercussions at that point. Um not, not that it was the best, but um, see, so yeah, I started off in the help desk, and then when I discovered networking, um, that's just been my passion from there. And when I got, um, when I first started getting into healthcare, I just tried to, just like you, I was really self-taught and just really motivated to just get in there, like try to learn as much as I can. And it when our at a job that I had when the current CIO and manager just left and they hoarded all the knowledge of 
everything, not just the network. So, but, so there was like zero documentation and it was me and another guy that the other guy had experience with, you know, VMware storage and um, mm-hmm. all that, like the server side. And I had the experience with all the networking side at that point. And so we had to reverse engineer everything for like six months to a year. And, oh, dude, the amount of holes that we found in the networking, it was scary. Oh, God. Um, I'm sure. Pr- prob- probably one of the scariest things that I found was a domain controller had a public IP that was accessible from anywhere on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> dude when i when i found that i shit my pants like oh my god i'm surprised this place hasn't been hacked <laughs> like it was just it probably only wasn't because no one was really looking at something that was probably a relatively small company right just it was security through obscurity <laughs> right oh man but yeah so I have to say, like, even even before when I took over that, like, I had a pretty good amount of experience with networking, but that, like, having to reverse engineer and redesign the network like that really got my, um, like, you know, jaws set into networking and loving it and having to rebuild everything. And now it's, like, like I, I work from home full-time now, and um, I've got really good, you know, company where my boss will actively tell me if i work past 40 hours it's like you're taking time off i you don't i don't need to burn you out <laughs> and it's like I, i've never had like a boss that is like that because you know pr- probably like you i'm so used to working long hours right i'm so used to working 60 70 hour weeks and all that and just not really thinking much of it you know and, mm-hmm. and now that i have a boss that's like oh you worked 41 hours go home you know get get out of here go 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 play video games i'm like okay <laughs> it's it, it, yeah it's strange. i'm in a position right now that the 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 boss i'm working for was um the a, a guy i worked with at that college job um when i was working part-time yeah. for the the retail chain um so i've known him now at this point we've been you know friends off and on for 25 years um so it's a situation where we know each other well enough that I can do my job and he doesn't, there, there's no concern on his part that he needs to check up on me or make sure I'm yeah, doing anything yeah. or, uh, you know, his concern is make sure I look good and I don't, you know, we're fine because I know, I, I 100% know you're doing what you're doing. So yeah, yeah. He's, so it, it works very nicely. There's, there's no, between the two of us, we don't work, we don't create additional work or stress for one another. Oh no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It, it's similar with me. Um, so it, and I promise we'll be talking about magic. It's just, you know, I, I could almost do like a whole networking podcast, too, because um, like I, I can honestly see myself um, like wanting to teach networking at one point in my life, like maybe when I get older, because and, and I mean, and it's a lot, like, don't get me wrong. It's like there's still a shit ton about networking that I don't know, you know, like the, and it's changing. Daily. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's. um. But the the one thing that we're actually doing right now at my job is we're switching to Palo Alto firewalls right now, and I'm okay. starting to learn. Ha, have you ever messed with Palo Alto? Not at all. Not at all. Um, have you ever messed with Fortigate or Cisco ASAs? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, we're using ASAs right now. Okay. Um, I have never used ASAs until I started doing this job here when I became like just pure networking, um, and I hate them. Holy shit, I hate them. Holy, it, they, they, they're, 
that would have they would have been really great technology about 2004. Yes, yes, exactly. They're utter. Now, utter it feels like you're 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 using something that's that's should not be this clunky today, but probably was super cool 15 years ago. Right, right. Because um, like a, a lot of my experience with firewalls has been Juniper, which are god awful, um, and then uh, mainly Fortigate, which I I really like Fortigate. Um, they're super easy to set up and all that and. And what I'm liking about Palo Alto is it's like a mix of ASA and Fortigate and just sort of combines the best of both with them. Sure. Um, and, and that's what we're, that's the big thing that we're doing right now is trying to, I'm trying to learn that. And it's, um it's fun. It's a lot of fun just learning all that stuff. And um, as far as like other networking hardware, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, well, like I said, since we're national, it's like, we have to know everything. Like Cisco, sure, you, you never know what yeah. you're gonna run into. Oh my gosh, dude! Some of the networks we've run into are just some of these. Literally, have um, we have this one place? They've been up and running their network for I don't know, like probably well over a decade, and they still have ten meg internet lines. Like, <laughs> like, how, how, how are you even? And this is this is a hospital system. Like, how are you even functioning? Jeez. <laughs> Dude, it's it's insane. It's it's um I, I, one of my favorite stories of when we took over uh, an outpatient clinic was their network and server room was literally in the bathroom, like <laughs> that that patients would go into to use. So it's like, wow. w- what was to stop the patients from just unplugging everything? There was nothing stopping them. <laughs> <laughs> it was already that's crazy yeah the 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 big the, the company i worked for where i did all the had to do the wi-fi for them at one point they um built a new distribution center mm-hmm. we've been in illinois and so one of my jobs was i had to go down there and put all the set up all the networking for the whole you know facility and it's like we're talking 10 buildings um out on you know purchased farmland in the middle of nowhere kind of <laughs> um and i don't know even who designed it or or where it um what what the thought process was but then the the main network room there for that ran this you know multi-million dollar massive distribution center for a company that has 400 and some retail locations was also the mop room, like where the cleanup crew stored there, there was like a big sink in there and like the shelf oh of all God. the, you know, bleach and cleaner and all that kind of stuff. That was one wall and the other wall with all the network equipment. There was the, and wow. it even had like the sloped floor with the drain in the center. Oh my God. That's, that's a little scary. So all it takes is like one water pipe right. to burst open or something. <laughs> right. and, and that wasn't, that wasn't like something where they had put, network equipment in there because this was a facility that had been running since like 1962 that was built in you know 2002 yeah someone had yeah. Like decided that oh my god in, in a brand new facility that that just reminds me of a there was an outpatient clinic that was being built brand new a couple years ago and we ran into a similar issue where they wanted to put the the network equipment literally right next to you know just like you said the the water where you can fill up a mop and bucket and all that put it on the same wall 
and where the water, you see the water pipe running above where they would put, you know, the, the punch down panel and all that stuff and, and all that. And I'm all, and I had to like fight with the contractors. It cannot be there. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, oh man, I don't know what goes through some of these people's heads. Like what makes you think that's a good idea? It, yeah, it's so I'll, I'll tell the story. I'll, this is maybe a little bit long, but it, it, this, this was an interesting moment for me, not just in IT, but basically in the life in general. Yeah. Um, this is like four or five years ago now. The, the company I'm at right now, we had a water main right outside our building broke underneath the sidewalk oh, God. Um, on a Sunday. <laughs> so water started coming in the, in, in the basement of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, all our stuff is on the first floor. So our data center is in the first floor of this building. So, you know, we heard this was happening. So myself and my boss came in and we go down to the basement. Well, there's, there's actually some businesses down there. There's a gym down there and stuff. Yeah. And at this point, there's water like it's filled this basement of this building six or eight inches. And it's still coming in because it's a water main. And they're trying to get a hold of the, the two people in town that can turn off a water main because it just doesn't happen very frequently. Yeah. Um, and so we're not worried. It's not going to fill out. There's not going to be 15 feet of water that, you know, gets up enough to touch our stuff. And we have a generator upstairs that if power goes out to the building, generator kicks on, that's all fine. Except for a lot of the power stuff to the building was downstairs. Oh, no. And we're like, well, when the water hits it, okay, things will short out and power will go out and the generator will kick on and we'll be fine. But is that going to cause like some kind of a short it's going to blast across wire like Ooh. you don't it, it's water yeah you don't, like you don't know right you're, kind of, you're thinking of things from movies when like water like yeah I, we don't think it's going to cause a problem but like but what if it does so okay so we're in his office and we have a whiteboard out like okay let's say the worst happens and this this creates some kind of a, a, a of a short as the water's kind of still rising downstairs and we're like, <laughs> oh okay, god once it gets to the two feet mark, that's where it's going to hit stuff. Oh, man. So, so we're like, okay, let's say it blows everything out. We, we have a redundant location in Ohio. We have never done a full, we never like tested a full actual site outage failover. And meanwhile, we're, we're looking out. There, there, this, this is a call center, so there's people working, and they know what's going on. And we're like, well, I guess if we need to, what we'll do is we'll rent a U-Haul and we can put some servers on this U-Haul and drive it to Ohio and we can, you know, so we're, we're, we're thinking that like, I guess this is the plan. And I, I see all these employees that are looking at us and I remember I, my dad ran a couple sawmills of what his career mm-hmm. was. Um, and I worked, so in high school, I worked at a sawmill slinging lumber. And I remember there would be situations where, like, something would go wrong. There'd be a fire at, at, at in, in some building at the sawmill or something would stop. And I'd see him and some guys walking out there. And I always assumed, as an adult, I was my father's age, you knew you had a plan. I, I didn't, like, literally think you got a book with the answers in it. But, like, I assumed that, like, when you were allowed some kind of position of responsibility, you knew what to do in all situations. Right. I don't know why I thought that. Like, I just assumed, <laughs> oh, they, they know what they're doing. Him and these guys walking around and, and like, pointing <laughs> as whatever's going wrong. Like, they've got a plan that's under control. And I realized all those people out there are looking in here at us. 
thinking the same thing that we know what we're doing as we're like on a whiteboard going i guess we rent a u-haul and put a bunch of servers <laughs> on a U-Haul and like, no, I, I guess that's what's gonna happen oh man so and then I, and then and then the next step was is this how the world works i think it is oh my god <laughs> everyone's just making it up as they go pretty much no one has a plan necessarily i mean it doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing but like most of life you're never going to hit a point where you know it you're still kind of figuring things out and, and that that was a real moment for me as i realized that's just how the world functions you're never yeah. going to know it all it's you're always going to be winging it to a degree oh my god that that's I, I that that is like a mantra I live by. I have no idea what I'm doing at all ever. <laughs> I think the important thing is to know that you don't. I think that's what's the most important part is as long as you're aware that you don't necessarily know what you're doing and you're trying to learn versus, <laughs> versus being confident you have it all figured out. I think it's that's that's the most important. Part. Dude, I think that is the majority of the way I've learned in IT. Like like when we've had emergencies like you know hey the site's down or whatever blah 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 and i'm um, sure w- whatever it may be and i'm in the switch or router or firewall whatever and i'm all like as long as i know how to reverse what i did i'm good because it's i'm like i'm like <laughs> let's see if this works oh it broke it even more okay let's try let's try something else <laughs> and then that, that, that that's probably the majority of my networking like i don't know if this is gonna work let's try it <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say that the stress of those situations affects me differently today than it did once upon a time. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily my age so much as it is I have a kid and a wife and a mortgage now versus at one point in time, I, I, I distinctly recall being at work and like dealing with that outage at 4 a.m. and like, like, okay, I need to get this up in the next three hours before people start showing up or... And, or things are really going to be bad. And when I was like 26, it was easy to be like, or I just go find a new job. If this, if I can't figure oh, this dude. out in the morning, dude, I, oh, oh. I just, I just, go, I just go home and find a new job, and that's what it is. That's not the case. It no longer works that way when you're my age and have a wife and a yeah, and it, it doesn't. Dude, that just reminded me mm-hmm. of when I used to be on call. My scariest moment being on call, like my biggest oh shit. Um, I get a call at like one or two in the morning um i you know i was dead asleep wake up and it's a doctor calling me saying hey my computer's not working and i need to read this study um i've got a gunshot wound victim on the operating table right now and i need the and i need to be able to tell the surgeon where to operate can you help me and i'm all like oh fuck <laughs> like that that right there completely woke me up and i like almost shit my pants because i'm like fuck if i don't help the doctor right now someone could die and i'm all like i i i can't even remember what i did to get him up and running like i don't remember it was just wh- whatever i did at the time and dude that was like the only time i had someone's life life literally in my hands to like i i had to help this doctor wow. dude, no matter what and um that's pretty high pressure. Yeah, I, I I never want to go through that. Like, cause I've had um I've had stuff where where you know like the whole company's gone down and all that stuff, and it's stressful as fuck. Trust me. Sure. But you know when you have someone's life on your hand, it's like, I, I, what? <laughs> what the fuck do I do? Yeah. Even even the little things like two weeks ago. I had to um, upgrade the iOS on a, a core switch here at my company. Yeah. 
Um, like, okay, well, you know, it, it, which takes everything down. Then the core is mm-hmm. going down. So the whole thing's going down. And it, it wasn't a situation where I, I could keep one of the two up. It was an old enough version of the iOS that I, I had yeah. to reboot both of them essentially at the same time. And uh, I'm, I'm reading up on Cisco. And I'm like, okay, what's the reboot time on this? Because I had never booted this core before. It's like three or four years old. And it's just been up the whole time. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm like, I went to put the iOS on. I'm like, reboot time's going to take between five to 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. So I did the reboot, started, started watching my clock. And oh, I, dude, that's I, I was the worst. just doing something on my phone. <laughs> I have nothing else to do. I was like, I'm like playing on my phone. And my boss DMs me. He's like, let me know when it's back up. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be about 10 minutes. And 10 minutes hits and it's not back up. Oh, God. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it one more minute. And like, nope, nothing. I'm like, and then, and then I'm just, you hit that, 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 that wave of acid in yes. your stomach and you just oh like get that God. cold sweat. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> because that's not, I can't just run and buy a replacement. Right, before. right. You, know, you can't just like. So I, I, I went up my desk and walked in the data center and it got to the switch. And as I get there, I can see the, the individual port lights coming back on for him. Oh, like, oh, God. okay. Just, so it just took like 13 or 14 minutes instead of the five to 10. And then everything was fine. But like, I was already mentally like, visualizing how my night was going to go from oh, this dude. as I tried to figure out what went wrong. Holy shit. I, I think like every network engineer has gone through that same thing. Cause I, cause we, we went through that. Um, I think it was about two years ago. We had to reboot our core switches and um, same exact thing. They took like 15, 20 minutes to fully come back online and they, they were brocade switches and, um, and, oh, geez. and um, they were, uh, yeah, same thing. Cause, uh, like, like me and um, my my junior, we, we were talking. Like, I, I was already formulating a plan. Like, all right, if it doesn't come back up, we're gonna grab these other switches, or or we're gonna have to reroute everything. Da, 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 like, just already planning out what we're gonna have to do. And then, as soon as we're starting to come up with a plan and what we're gonna tell, like my boss and all that, it's like it starts coming back up. We're like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's. That that's the scariest thing. What, what what's even scarier is when um, well, well what sucks now is like when now because I used to be pretty much just supporting locally, but now that I have to support nationally now, so if it's like I have to do like oh I have to upgrade some firmware to switch it, you know I'm in Florida, so let's say I gotta upgrade it over in Oregon or something, right? It's like even it doesn't come back up, fuck. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> You're just like, oh shit. Yeah, it, it, and the the company I work for now, we have an office here in town, and then one in Ohio. Um, so even though I work from home, you know, uh, I can get to the one in town here in five yeah. minutes, or I can walk in in fifteen. I'm actually walkable to the office, so that's not bad. But Ohio, I got I'm like, well, that's that's an eleven hour drive from where I'm at. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, think of the mileage you get to expense for that. <laughs> yeah, and I do, have to, I do have to go down there like once or twice a year. Yeah, um, I actually have a. If it wasn't, I, I would probably be down there this this spring for something. If it wasn't COVID, because I have to do a. Yeah, we're, we're doing an upgrade in terms of our network provider. So like, I have to do a, a change for for the internet connection coming in. Yeah, and not that complicated, but I prefer to be there anyway. Just better safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I but I. I, don't want to tra- I definitely don't want to travel right now, so I'm going to have to rely on our help desk guy there at site to move one cable to the other port as I make changes. Oh, dude, and that's always a pain because it's not that not that people aren't 
capable of doing that but like when something's wrong and you're just like shit i wish i could be there just to take over because i like i know what to do but having to walk someone else through what to do and and worse comes worse then you gotta walk them through how to plug into the console port and download putty or something and then get you access to it you're like you're like fuck man okay yeah and and then it's also one of those things where you're relying on like AT&T in this case to, I have to have AT&T move an IP block over from one circuit to the next. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot that can go wrong there too. And I'm rolling And if it doesn't come up, I'm, I'm like, okay, is it something I did or is it something that they did and they haven't noticed? And their first response is always no, our ends. Of course. Our of course. Be fine. It's of course. <laughs> so I would prefer to be there for it, but yeah. uh, I'm going to hope I can take care of it all remotely. Yeah. The, the biggest thing that I run into, um, because the past year since, you know, I can't travel because a lot of these installs and designs that I've done, normally I would have to go on site. Like I travel there. Um, mm-hmm. But since I have to rely on, you know, the people on the boots on the ground who, who may not even know anything about networking or anything like that. Um, it's, it's been tough. And what, I have found probably the most frustrating thing is when the ISP gives you the IP addresses to assign to whatever device. And it's like, oh, no, those weren't the right ones. And you're just like, (laughs) and then so like whatever cutover you had planned, you have to completely scrap for another day at that point and get the right IPs reconfigure. And you're just like, motherfuckers, Jesus, get your shit together. Why'd you give me the wrong IPs? I've had that happen so many times this past year. It's so annoying. Yeah, that's maddening. Yeah. It's like you have like one job to do. Just give me the right IP address. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it from there. Yeah, the the the, var- the variables you can't control are the worst. Yeah. Um dude, it's like shit. We could like go on and on about networking, but I guess I guess let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about magic. Um you know, it's uh, talk about that small little format EDH um, and all that. So what have been some, you know, actually, let's let me bring up some Kaldheim and all that. Hold on. Let me see. Because holy crap, like because I've only really looked at the cards that came out. Um, was it Thursday um, when they did the whole preview okay. and all that? And like since then, there's been like five million more cards that have come out that I haven't even looked at. Or anything like that. Um, so, what have been some of your thoughts on Kaldheim so far? Um, it, it, I like the set um, so far. I like MDFC cards in general. Yeah. So, I'm glad to see more of those out there. Um, I like sets that feel. I, I, is it top down or top up? Whatever it is, where they have a theme, whichever it is. In this case, I like where worlds have. Of a, a theme going on, whether it's whether it's Norse mythology and Viking stuff here, or Gothic horror and Innistrad, I, I, yeah. I'm a fan of that kind of set, so I like that a lot with with Kaldheim as well. Um, we've seen interesting cards. I've already picked out you know four or five that I want for decks, and we're 10 percent into the spoiler season, so I am I'm into it so far. The art looks great too. I, oh, it, it, man. Just, it feels like a set. Some of the art is freaking awesome. Like. Uh, I, I was talking on Magic for Normies uh, with Pixie. Uh, the the one the new black demon rogue legendary creature Varagoth Blood Sky Sire, dude. That right there looks like a D and D monster. Like I'd want to build a stat block for and have my players fight and all that. 
with the, the gross skin cloak and yeah. that's a disgusting piece of art too but it's very metal oh, and it dude. feels very it's so great i love it very, yeah i love it um yeah the one i, I caught my eye yesterday was because village rights i think is a really solid card anyway and it's getting a reprint here and it's got a really oh, nice kind of cool metal album yes. cover piece of art on it yes it does it, it looks so badass like i i want i want this um exact foil card in my yara deck and it because it just looks so badass um and dude now we've got i, I was you know, honestly i was not expecting snow covered lands to make a return like i didn't honestly think we would because we just had them back in modern horizons i know we haven't had them in standard for a long time but i i just didn't think they were going to do it again but i'm kind of glad to see them back and now we have fetchable snow duels as well yeah, that's it, which are for being lands in an uncommon slot. Those are very playable in Commander. Not not that like the the gain one life lands aren't playable, um, but they tend to be playable for the most part in a budget situation. Yeah. But these fetchable snow ones, because they're fetchable, like those are pretty playable even if you aren't necessarily on a budget, just because you can go fetch them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I would, I'd recommend these lands over any of the gain life or the guild gates or anything like that um because sure. just just for that reason um <clears throat> you know say well let's see what so it only be the the fetch lands that'd be able to get them right because evolving wilds and fabled passage yeah, the fetch, land, fetch lands or even like nature's lore or three visits could yeah, go get them. yeah. Sky Shroud that's right that's right green card yeah as well and, and that's one thing i was looking at i, I have amina and den it's kind of a landfall lands matter deck and i, I have a valkut in there so i like i i want to keep my mountain threshold at a certain point mm -hmm. to, to have enough mountains when, when valkut comes into play well hey i i think it's probably worth pulling out a basic forest to put in that snow duel oh yeah to play tapped sure but it's also it, it gives me one more mountain one more mountain trigger it, it's fetchable with that's a good point with, uh, the fetch land yeah. or with you know strict Belder or something so like yeah, it's it's a playable card even if you aren't too concerned with budget. So yeah, that's at uncommon. That's fantastic. Oh no, no, these are common though, not uncommon. So they're even yeah. better. Yeah. So it's like uh, we'll see these in a freaking popper too. I don't follow popper at all, but um, yeah. Um, but um, so th the other thing that I really like with these is like you were saying before, their budget. Um, and, and one of the things that I've been mm -hmm trying to learn better with mana bases is because like for years i would just put in whatever dual land in my decks like and and i ended up coming out with a lot of tap lands you know in them and so i i've, I've now come to the more of the ideology where i'd rather have way more basics than duels because you know if i don't want to break the bank on 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 mana base because the mana base is like the least thing that i don't care about putting money into if it's like a deck that mm -hmm. like if it's not one of my top three favorite decks you know what i mean um like if it's just one of those casual edh decks i guess um and so but these i think would be very well placed in any kind of budget mana base and um anything like that yeah i've been playing commander since um raider on return to ravnica so, nice. so that, that, or, or, or and that's when I came back to magic, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so doing FMs and doing things like that, 
I had chalk lands in my collection. So whenever I built the deck, I could just go dig through my land binder and okay, I have three before every shock. I have those shock lands that, that yes, I had to pay for, but like kind of not because I, I, I got to do F and M. Yeah. So they, they were, they were a, a free kind of quote unquote free thing from me paying for the F and M experience. And then I then then was there. so I got a collection of all the scry lands, and then we hit cons of Tarkir, and I picked up play sets of all the fetch lands mm-hmm. from from Khan's block for the same thing. So again, I, I, I've been kind of spoiled oh, d- yeah. during that whole run. Of course, you get oh yeah, so was I. The, yeah. the, get the check lands from from the core sets and things like that. So I've always, for the most part, had a pretty good had had pretty good access to a land base without really having to pay money for it, other than the money I paid than the ten dollars I'd pay on a Friday night yeah. for F and M or something. Um, so I, I've always been very spoiled in terms of land bases. Oh. I've never really had to, to dig deep yeah. and like find. I ran some guild gates, but like at some point, I didn't have to run guild gates because I had access to the lands from battle for zendikar because i was doing battle for zendikar stuff you know yeah so um but but these are good enough that even if you are are someone who just is lucky enough to have access to lands i think are, are super interesting oh yeah no and and that, that brings up a great point too that i want to bring up um just and this is where i feel bad for people getting into commander now and because because you know especially when you get a play group of people of you and your friends, there's always that arms race of wanting to make your decks better and more powerful. And dude, it's people like you and me that have been entrenched in the game for so long. Like I came back, um, I, I started in Urza saga, uh, quit when nemesis came out. Then I came back during Kamigawa Ravnica quit again. And I came back during, um, M 13. So like pretty much from M 13 on, I've been collecting cards and, it's insane, like how many quote unquote commander staples are out there that have just shot up in price. That you know, like you and I, when we were playing, like, oh, that was like a 50 cent card, that was a dollar card, and right. n- now they're like 20, 30 bucks. And it's like, I feel bad for those people because it's like, it's it's kind of unfair in a sense where yeah. it's we we got to benefit because we got into it earlier, and now other people getting into it now have to pay the price for it. and it's and, and I mean, I feel like Wizards is doing a better job like last year's commander decks the commander 2020 decks I thought were amazing in terms of yeah n- not not just value but just playability out of the box like how powerful they were just out of the box were, they were fantastic um like Otrimi quickly became one of my favorite of last year well, and it's not even just the the big staple cards which have exploded, but like I, I just brought up a, a TCG player order I made in March of 2013. So this is probably the first commander deck I built, and even just the little things like um, you know Tainted Isle, which isn't like that in demand of an of a land. Um, Forty cents I paid for four of them. I, I, I grabbed four tainted aisles and five dollars now. What? Are you serious? That's five five dollars. Yeah. Holy that, crap! That's not like a crazy amount of money. Yeah, I know, but, but still, for the forty cents. Or, or I, I bought it. I bought two copies of Darkest Hour. I don't even remember what I was using them for at the time. For thirty nine cents, Darkest Hour right now for a lightly played version is four dollars. <laughs> God. 
the, the little tiny things. Yeah. Curiosity, I bought two copies of whatever I was buying. Curiosity, I paid 19 cents for Curiosities. To, to buy a lightly played curiosity is 40 cents now. I mean, that's it, not, a, that's twice. It, it, it adds up though. It's only 40 cents, but yeah, yeah. It, it adds and, up. And this entire order, this order I placed then that cost me 1365 today. I mean, looking at it, I, I didn't do the full, pull a full list, but like it's probably a $70 order today for those same cards that I paid $13 for in, in 2013. That's crazy. And it's not even any good cards. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing amazing. There's there's no like quote unquote staples in here. Yeah. So yeah, it's nuts how how every aspect of the game has just gotten so much more expensive. And and if you were lucky enough to be somebody, even if I'm not looking to play those copies of Darkest Hour, I can trade those for something I want. Yeah. Like I have equity in cards because I was just lucky enough to start playing right before Commander kicked off and bought cards and. Now, when I want to buy something from Card Kingdom, I can send them a stack of these singles yeah. that I bought seven years ago that I forgot that I've got. A, I still have in a right. box in my closet and get two hundred dollars in credit that I can then use for really good cards. Oh, dude, there, there's even like cards that I have as a kid that have that I've kept that have just blown up like. Isn't Metalworker one of them that has blown up? Like I, I used to, have, yeah. used to have a few copies of that, and it's like eighty bucks a pop, and all that right now. Yeah, and, and yeah. friggin' cards like that. Um, other Urza Saga cards I have. I got a. I don't know off the top of my head, but like Opposition or something like that. Isn't that gone up or something? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, that that's well. It's like a ten dollar yeah, card. A- so, but still, still. I mean, it, that was probably eight eight. $2 card right. or, or less even probably five six years ago. Well, what I did was I started playing. I actually was able to, I, I had a friend who was a little bit older who went to college mm-hmm. and came back with magic the following summer and, and got the us that were still in high school playing. So that would have been revised. Revised packs were still out in stores. That would have been the summer that actually Legends came out. So I was able to buy revised packs and buy Legends packs and then the dark packs. And then I started playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't like, there, there wasn't an organized tournament like structure scene like we have for world championship level players. Yeah. But like, you could, like, there was a Gen Con event that summer where you could go and, and sign up and play Magic, and I did. So I picked up real, like, I had power cards. I had picked up, I had a set of five moxes for a deck. Um, <laughs> so I had real, which, which were expensive. They were like, I paid like $15 a piece for them. So that was like yeah, a yeah. lot of money for cards. That, that, that was back um, then. I, I, I drove. Um, I, I, I got in touch with a guy on Usenet <laughs> and drove like an hour to a town to buy a library of Alexandria from him for $20. Damn. And then had to stop on my drive back at like a roadside because I thought I was going to be sick because I couldn't believe I just spent $20 oh on a card God. from a card, card game. So I had all these, I had a pretty nice selection of cards. And then in college, my college roommate um, had a nervous breakdown, stole all of my, stole my magic collection, stole another roommate's um, baseball card collection, pawned everything for like $20. Oh, God. 
<laughs> and again, at the, at the time, it was it was a big deal, but it was a big deal because the Moxes had gone from like the fifteen or twenty I paid to like seventy five dollars or something, which is which was a, when you're a you know twenty year old college that's, student. That's, that's a, a lot. Of, that's a lot of money. money. Yeah. Um, and again, it could be worse. I guess the the other roommate he had opened a bunch of credit cards up and the roommate's name with Ooh, like the, the junk credit card and maxed them out. And, and so there's a whole crazy thing. Wow. So then I quit. I'm like, well, I'm not going to rebuild this collection. At this point, uh, I'm just done with magic. So I was just done with magic because um, I just lost everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I and I had a coworker who played oh seven or eight years ago and. He kept, he's, and, and I knew what the game was, so he knew I knew what it was, and he just kept bugging me. And I, I installed, I think it was Duel of the Planeswalkers on like my tablet. Yeah. Those were fun games. Those ones. were fun games. I enjoyed them. And but between him kind of pestering me and playing that, I think it was even over Christmas break, I came back and I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's play a little bit and gate crash i think was just coming yeah. out it would have been after christmas so return to ravnica packs were still out in stores and mm-hmm. um so I, I guess i came back between return to ravnica and gate crash and and started just playing like 60 card you know Piles. kind of homebrew yeah. stuff and pretty quickly and then he mentioned commander um so in back in the day we had played my friends had played we had also had decks that were called highlander decks that were just no singleton yeah, decks. No, yeah. there's no commander or anything for them but like we had these big piles of singleton cards and so i i kind of was familiar enough with the concept that once i read about commander i'm like that's interesting and then was hooked that's awesome so so that's how i came back to it and then a couple of years ago this would have been a year or two ago one of my buddies that i had played with back in the day was in town for something and, and he was had a trip scheduled for work here so we were going to meet up for dinner and it happened to be on a night i usually went and played commander at my lgs mm-hmm. so i said yeah i usually play magic that night but like we'll just you know we can just hang out so he's like well why don't i come play magic i haven't played in forever but it'll be kind of cool like, well, we play Commander. You can borrow one of my decks. That's similar to what we used to play. Well, then he got online and read up, read like what Commander was, mm-hmm. and took it. he still had his old deck from back then. Oh the shit, Highlander deck, which had an Arcades Sabbath, I think, from because he had quit about about roughly around Legends. So he only had Arabian Nights, Antiquities, and Legends cards. Oh, damn. <laughs> so he. So he just pull, pulled it down to a hundred cards and took Arcadia's Sabbath as his commander and showed up and deals out unsleeved cards that he hadn't Damn. touched since 1994. Oh, and his 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 opening is unsleeved un, unsleeved tropical island into Candelabra of Tanos. <laughs> this is what his first. <laughs> And the store owner, like, is like, you know, one on. He's like, what? He's like, you can't, no play mat. And he's like, he's like, walks over, like, just gives him a play mat, gives him slicks. Everyone stop and come help him sleep the stack up. Oh, <laughs> so God, like, that's hilarious. He sleeves and made him sleep the stack up. I mean, that's how we used to play back in the day when I was kids. Like, it's when I started playing in Urza's, we had no game store. The. The, the only place that was selling magic cards was a sports card shop when sports cards were huge, right? Um, well, it was more of a sports memorabilia shop, but, like, the cards were the big thing there. Um, 
and, and they just had like one small little display of Urza's and my mom would take me and, you know, I'd use my allowance money to get some packs and all that. And then my friends and I would go to each other's houses and just build, we'd build, you know, the dumbest decks, whatever, whatever we had, what we pulled out it. Cause there was no buying singles. There was no game store to trade at or anything like that. Um, and the, the thing was, it was we even struggled to have basic lands because the only basic lands we could get were out of booster packs. <laughs> so because right. it, 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 he didn't he didn't start selling the intro decks that actually came with a lot of the basic lands until about um what, what was it six that Mercadian Mask was coming out. That's when he started selling the intro decks. Um, but before that, we. we we would literally trade for basic lands that that's how <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that. Oh yeah. my God. It, it was like, is it, I, I think you think about it now and you're like, holy shit, I've got way too many basic lands now. And it, it's like, right. they were a commodity back then. Um, and, um, yeah, they were tough to find. Yeah. The, 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 um, so you, so yeah, playing unsleeved was just a normal way of doing it and, and putting rubber bands around my cards to make sure they stay, you know, so they don't slide around everywhere. God. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I distinctly remember even situations where like we'd each buy a booster pack or something and my friend would tear his open and be like, you got to force a will in his rear slot. And I'd tear mine open. I'm like, oh, it's a volcanic island. I'm like, oh, oh God, I wanted that force, that force will be so <laughs> oh god oh man so when you first started getting back into magic uh back return to ravnica gate crash did you look up the prices of those moxes that you had and all that i did i did, I did and it was i was just like oh no i can't believe <laughs> oh god the, the guy that did it i actually he still lives in town and yeah. this town is the town i live in is like seventy thousand people so it's not it's not a big town huge but it's not tiny yeah. either and I still see him like I'll still run into him. We don't talk, but like I'll see him across the grocery store once in a while or something when I'm picking up groceries. So it's small enough that I do encounter him, and I know he sold that collection for like forty dollars to a pawn shop. Oh my god, fuck, man! Because if you kept that, that could have been like down payment for your kid's college and all that shit. <laughs> college, college tuition, yeah. Oh my oh. god, fuck! That sucks. That's um, cut. Oh man, I, I have a one of my D and D players. He's um, he he started collecting Magic when it first came out, like back in Alpha. Um, like he he was there at the first Gen Con or whatever. Like got a got a box and had just started collecting until about um, I want to say like Chronicles or something like that. I I, I can't remember what set. It, it was one of the early sets. Um, and he ended up selling like his collection because he needed to pay for his grandkids, you know, help his grandkids out and all that. And dude, he brought in his binder one day when we were playing D and D and Holy shit. You talk about like the, the Holy grail of like every expensive card, you know, like in perfect condition. Cause he never played the cards. He, j he, he would immediately open them up and put them in binders. So they'd, they'd wow. been sitting in binders for years. Like his, he, he never got an alpha black Lotus, but he had a beta one and it was like in pristine condition, like just insane That's crazy. And, and all the moxes and all that stuff that you dual lands and whatever, just, he made a very pretty penny off that. And, um, it, it was like, that was my first time ever seeing the power nine and all that stuff, like up close, not behind a blast, a glass clay, glass case. Sure. Um, 
yeah, man, it's freaking um, it's crazy that a, a, a stupid card game like this could you can make so much money off of and just yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, j- just um, I got two years ago, twenty twenty seemed like such a felt like five years um but just like two years <laughs> yeah. ago i sold my whole modern and legacy collection because it's it's modern and legacy completely died in my area and so i'm like i'm just playing commander now anyway might as well sell it sell it all off um made a pretty penny off that and it's pretty much now i just play commander uh, like like with the pandemic actually i play i have played more commander than ever before because it used to be um before the pandemic like me and my friends we'd gather maybe once a month to play you know like five six hours of commander and that's it just once a month type gathering we do and now it's now with streaming it's like fuck i'm playing it you know a couple times a week and all mm-hmm. that stuff it's been that that has been one shining light of the pandemic spell table and all that like just yeah. streaming it yeah i'll be curious how that changes people's habits um once this is over and you can actually go back and play i do miss playing at my lgs but not everyone has that option. Oh, dude, it, it's so, it's a perfect um like I'm not gonna stop streaming on Spell Table even after this yeah. is all said and done because it's you know I've got my Discord community and we play you know every week and got some great players met some great people too playing through it and it's been I can't see myself mm-hmm. stopping. Well, you can do the quick pickup game. You can be like, oh, I've got an hour to kill and I don't have to get dressed. I can play in my pajamas right. and I'm just going to play one quick game that doesn't require me to get, you know, take a shower and go somewhere and then come back. I can just do it. I can just play a quick, fun game. So I think that's what's really nice. And oh, what yeah. I think I will definitely keep doing when this is over is playing those those one-off games that when you've got downtime that you just never would, you'd just watch a you know movie or something instead to kill some time. Yeah. Um, being able to do that is nice. And also I think it's been really nice because I've there, there's not a like my LGS had a very kind of specific meta. Yeah. Um, and you built to to a degree, not even just power level, but like I see a lot of this kind of deck, so I need to have a, a plan for it. Yeah. I saw a ton of planeswalkers, a lot of planeswalker super friends Attracts decks. Just, plane, uh... people yeah, and people put a lot of Planeswalkers in their deck. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was the card, the, the card from um, War of the Spark that pulled all counters off Planeswalkers? Um, the Black Sorcery. I don't even remember what it's called I, I know, now. Yeah, I know what you're um, talking about. I can't remember the name. Yes, it wasn't Spark Harvest, but something, whatever it was. Yeah. So I was running that in a bunch of black decks because I there was never a time when I would draw when there wouldn't be, like, a Planeswalker or two in play, if not more than that. Playing online has changed that there's no longer in so to speak meta because i'm playing with people from so many different places mm-hmm. that after i've had to like take out cards that were a little more targeted which has been interesting too because you you, you it, it i think makes you have to be prepared for more situations and yeah very interesting uh, that brings up a good point because like you said my local meta could be very degenerate and probably some of my oldest edh decks like my crew fix, Omnath, Locus of Rage, and Grand Arbiter, I had to basically build those up to counter a lot of the degeneracy, and um, and so they are pretty powerful decks. Um, you know, compared to like your casual EDH decks and all. The one thing that I've really liked about this pandemic has been 
I've been, instead of having to build to beat the meta and build to make sure every single deck I have is very, very, very strong, I can now go back to, all right, I want to build some fun decks and do some shenanigans and all that, and I don't even care if I win. I don't have to fight, you know, attracts a super friends every single weekend and all that stuff, you know? So it's made for a lot more variety. And like you said, you're right. You can't really figure out the meta a lot because there is no meta really per se. Exactly. And I think that's great. Um, Like like before the pandemic, I may have had, I think, only about five EDH decks. And I'm getting close to almost 20 now um, with, with the streaming. Um, and one of my favorite ones that I built this year or last year, I should say, um, it was a Shia, uh, from Zendikar and my, my whole plan for it was, and I fit a Shia on the surface is like very, very, very strong. Right. Um, so hmm. what I did was I made myself a challenge of, I'm going to build a Shia and a Shia can be the only creature in the deck. And I have about four, 45 forest, but then I have like a lot of ramp and then I have a lot of animate land spells as well too. So, and I figure, you know, a shy is just going to be sort of like the ends at the end of the two towers where they're going to just start storming people and, and come to life. And, um, just how I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to cast Sylvan awakening on my 30 forests that I have out and swinging or yeah. Yeah. Cast Sylvan awakening, then overwhelming stampede and boom, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a fun it's yeah, been fun I, I think yeah. it's been similar for me i think in in 2019 i made and, and i tried multiple decks I, I i attempted to brew you know multiples but like they didn't ever really stick and i was never happy with any of them anyway and it was only a couple i think i i, I brewed one deck in 2019 that stuck that was that i liked how it played mm -hmm. but the other couple it was only a couple decks anyway and they were never i was never that even into them in the brewing process whereas this year i think i've got three that are going to stick and a couple other ones that i tried and I've, I've taken apart but i but i still thought they were interesting along the way i couldn't quite make them work mm -hmm. or wasn't happy with them for one reason or another but i thought they were like a good attempt i was it was just a very good year in terms of like at least my creativity as a deck brewer i i had a lot of good ideas and it, it was very fruitful in that regard all things considered yeah you know that brings up a good question um that i want to bring up is when you are what's your thought process when you're trying to brew a deck like what what does dana roach do when you're brew like you you find a commander you like and what's your process of building a deck it's usually not finding a commander i like necessarily um it's almost always a concept i have first and then I try to find a commander for it and I try to, and I'm trying to do it in colors I don't have as well. So like I don't have a um, Boros deck right now or a mono red deck. So I'm always kind of trying to figure out a way to do something in those colors, particularly that no one else is doing, or at least are not doing very frequently. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to figure out what to do with Boros that isn't a equipment deck mm -hmm. or trying to do something in mono red that isn't an aggro deck. Um, uh, one of the decks I built this year that worked for me was an Is It um, Combat Tricks deck, Ooh. and I spent a couple of years actually trying to like figure out how to make that work, <clears throat> um, just in my head or kind of like on Architect or something. Where I'm like, okay, if I use 
uh, Melek is a paragon <clears throat> as my commander, I can then copy this, you know, red spell that gives creatures plus three, plus three. So if I swing them, and I was trying to figure out what way I wanted to do that. And I eventually got there. Um, it was originally Adelaide, but now I'm using Krom and Kedis. Okay. And it's using a bunch of those red, like giant, red has like giant growth equivalent spells yeah. or variants on those. Being able to, in a single turn, swing with Kedis and play one or two of those instant speed combat trick spells that buff and then copy them and copy them and like turn that four four swinging in into a you know 24 24 or something so it's essentially winds up being like instant speed voltron um in is oh, cool. which isn't a thing that i really ever seen, <laughs> see anyone play so it, it won't it winds up being both a creative experience for me and a challenge um, and it was a deck I didn't have anything in is it anyway. So so that was a situation where I knew what I wanted to try to figure out how to do. Then I had to find the commander to make it work or find the right combination of cards, that kind of thing. So that's usually where I come from. Sometimes I'll see a commander and get an idea. Of what could I do with this that I think is not typical? Um, I have a Vela the Nightclad deck. Vela gives all your creatures intimidate mm-hmm. in black-blue. So Vela's a commander where I like... I was kind of circling for a lot of years. I knew I could find something there, but I wasn't sure what. Yeah. And eventually came across, okay, if I use artifact creatures with Intimidate, they all become essentially unblockable because they don't share a color with anything. And then because Vela's also has an ability where if, if creature leaves a battlefield, it deals damage. Okay, well, if I go wide and make a bunch of... You use something like Mirror Battlesphere that makes a bunch of mirrors or Hangerback Walker that when it dies yeah. makes a bunch of tokens. <laughs> then I have additional, in addition to a win condition in terms of I can swing with creatures that are almost unblockable and then sacrifice a bunch of them <laughs> and a bunch of damage. And that's not a deck I've ever seen. You know, I don't see artifact decks in Demir really. I don't see Vela get played much. Yeah. So I found a way to take the commander and do something with it that felt creative and interesting as that's well. That's awesome. So, usually kind of the two paths i take that's awesome i'm i i'm usually the i have to find a commander that speaks to me and then i'll start building Mm -hmm. from there um and not that every deck of mine surrounds the commander but i just have to find something that okay this seems interesting but is it going to 100 percent rely on the commander you know to be able for it to do what i want it to do some some of my decks yes they if i don't have the commander out it's pretty much you're not going to do anything. Um, you can't help. Yeah, it's um, but it, it's I'm pretty picky on commanders where I I want to be able to have fun with it. Like um, the the deck that I'm trying to come up with a list right now is Rogak and uh, Falthus, which I know is not the most ideal combo for a partner uh, commander. It's it's usually Rogak and Arden are the two that a lot of people are doing because, you know, equipment Voltron and all that. Um, and said, so what I'm trying to do right now is do Rogak, Falthus, Rakdos um, with, it, it is going to be Voltron in a sense, but I want to have a mutate sub theme where it's this, this, I want this deck to sort of tell a story. Yeah. My cat freaking <laughs> just wanting my attention the whole time. Um, my, my son just messaged me. He's having a problem with his mic. They're still playing. Uh, okay. We take like a, a- I've been a break real quick. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll be right back. Right back. 
Okay, and we're back. Um, for you, it was like a second, but for us, it was just a couple minutes. G gave me time to go to the bathroom too, at least, you know. Um, and the reason why my cat kept bothering me was they ran out of food, so I had to go feed them real quick. <laughs> That's why she was all like, look at me, feed me. <laughs> Freaking cat. I had my, my son, um, his mic wouldn't work. He's playing D&D &D online yeah. and it was the USB cable came out of the back of the mic. And he did troubleshoot stuff, but he didn't uh, think to check that. So yeah, yeah. it's um when that that kind of reminds me because you know being in IT, we're usually the the family IT people. You know, trying to troubleshoot everything. Um, it got to a point where my wife's family would constantly call me for stuff in at where. And it was like super basic stuff too, right? That my wife saw the stress it was putting on me that I just, she started becoming the de facto IT person for her family. Cause it was like, did you try rebooting it? Did you try rebooting it? It was essentially, that's what it was, but just getting all the stupid calls mm -hmm. and texts like, Oh my God, come on. <laughs> yeah. I've had uh, plenty of those situations. My, my wife's family every year, used to have like a you know pre or post christmas get together kind of thing mm -hmm. um and obviously didn't do it this year but it was at her uncle's house and almost every year i would get there and he'd be like hey can you go take a look at my uh run some updates on my computer take care of it quick so i'm like so I, i'd get stuck spending an hour of the two-hour party in his office updating his computer and then it, and then people started bringing devices like hey my laptop's having a it's like i at one point my wife finally was like you can't you guys can't do this you can't spend the whole Right, three-hour party troubleshooting laptops and PCs and upgrading your phone. And <laughs> yeah, it's it, and I I used to do side work like that too, like you know, uh, you know, doing for, for advertising out there, and and I had a few clients and all that stuff, and it got to a point where you know I got a nice comfortable raise at work at one point where I didn't have to do the side work anymore, and I'm all like. I don't miss doing that shit at all, man. Just not only having to deal with work, but doing the side work. Cause you get people all the time just bugging you. Like, because you, you fix their computer, then they break it again. And they think, Oh, well, you know, it, it broke because of what you did. I'm like, no. And they don't want to pay you and all that shit. You're like, Nope. Right. Nope. Motherfucker. This is what <laughs> you broke this. <laughs> God, I don't miss those days. Oh yeah. I know. Not at all. I died in, I don't mess it a bit, man. It's it, I, I particularly last time I got my mom a computer, I bought her a a Mac in part because there's there, there for the most part, if you're not someone who's tinkering with things, there tends to be less that can go wrong, less in terms of viruses. Mm -hmm. It's 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 not my preferred environment. Usually I, I, I usually use Windows, but um, there's less things she can mess up for the most yeah. part on a Mac. So I, I got her. Specifically, a Mac laptop. Last time I helped her pick a computer out, just for that reason. Yeah, if I wasn't such a PC gamer, like you know, like huge Steam library, and you know, I play World of Warcraft and all that stuff, it's I'd have, I definitely have like a badass Mac for my main desktop. Um, it, it's I, I love the Mac environment because it's just I, I'm past the point now where I don't care about tinkering with stuff and all that. It's like, like I, I'm a network engineer with the worst network in my house, you know, at, at anywhere. It's like I just got like a wireless router and that's about it. Like, I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> I, I, once upon a time, that wasn't true. I did have a complicated setup, but absolutely, I've moved to like I don't need to deal with it at home. Yeah. I want it to be simple. And uh, you still build your own PC? Or yo, do you, or do you buy no, one no, no. I, I build my own PC. Like I just built, I, I just built my a new PC last year, and it was funny doing that because I don't keep up with all the the latest desktop hardware and all that. Like you know, I. You know, like I still, you know, I know all the basics. Just like me, say, yeah. I built one about this time last year, and it was the same thing. I, I, I used to once upon a time when it came time to build a PC, I knew exactly what graphics card I wanted, I knew yeah. what processor I wanted, I knew like, and it was it was a foreign language this time to me. I hadn't paid attention in so long that I was like. Uh, okay, what's the what, what's the the current cool processor? And I'm like trying to like okay, what's the current like I, I had no clue with yeah. having to do a ton of research this time. Yeah, oh yeah, it, it took me a while before I even decided to make the purchase because um, I had to when when I finally came up with my first list, I had to send it to a few people I know that you know are actively always doing desktop stuff you know whenever and I'm all like is this good and they're like no 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 Intel's trash now it's all AMD and I'm all like oh okay <laughs> I don't freaking know this stuff and then even little things like, like seeing like oh the power supply is at the bottom of the case now that makes sense it always should have been there yeah. or the power supply I'm like the power supply is modular now so I don't have 15 unused cables right? coming off that power supply I just have to have the one in how so it's like some things have taken those those big leaps however your motherboard still has a bunch of tiny stupid connectors for like the front lights and God, stuff I like know. how has that how has not that not all been combined into one single right port and then and then god forbid like oh my god so this past case like and i love a lot of the new cases too where you can easily hide the cables behind it and all that stuff super you, cool. you don't have to no longer you do zip ties and you know try to route it in a whatever way to try to make it look nice um you just ah, you just shove it all behind i don't give a shit <laughs> right it makes and that's super cool it makes total sense and i'm glad they put so like it's funny to see what things they've in the last you know since i haven't built one in seven or eight years some advances they've figured out how to make things so much better yeah. some are just like well i guess you still figure out how to plug your motherboard what what the correct light cable is coming off your case that's labeled l1 and where it goes in the mother like that's that is still archaic yeah but some things have gotten way better yeah yeah Th that was probably the hardest part of the whole build was tr trying to go back and forth through the the motherboard manual and like oh god reading the small ass text you're like what what the fuck is this saying? <laughs> um but uh the the thing that i find funny now um because and it's funny because it takes me back to when I used to be all into that um, back in my 20s and all that. And it, it, it sort of I, I was on a friend's discord in their voice chat. We were playing World of Warcraft or something. And um, and all his friends are just going back and forth talking about, you know, whatever latest new memory is out and, you know, latest motherboards. I'm all like. It's like, oh, this takes me back to when I was 20, like when I cared about that stuff and, you know, knew, knew everything yep. that was coming. I'm like, dude, I, I don't even fuck. The, the only thing I do follow per se would be graphics cards. That's about it. Because, I mean, shit, especially with Bitcoin and all that shit, you, you sort of end up knowing it all. Um, but it's, yeah, it brings me back to the days like back when, um, like my early days of the help desk where I just did nothing but laptops and desktops and take them apart build them and mm -hmm. had to frankenstein stuff and 
Did, did you happen to see, I think it was roughly last year, Henry Cavill had posted that video of him building his new gaming PC? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was super cool to see like, somebody like him, he's just it's doing he's doing all the same stuff. He's even put on thermal paste and he's putting his processor in. I'm like, man, that's awesome. He, guy knows what he's doing like i've been there that's that's was pretty fantastic to see i thought that was awesome yeah, it, it's um so i i mean i've been building computers probably like well over a decade now and all that but i can remember back when i was a kid younger like when having to just input in like a new hard drive or like new ram or or any of that stuff like it was a lot harder back then um you know you had your especially with a hard drive, you had to make sure it was set as a slave um, with the jumper, the little jumper on it. Um, And then also you had to worry about fucking IRQ codes. You remember when you had to, when you had the really big joystick and all that, Mm -hmm. um, and you had to plug it into your sound card and you had to make sure it didn't conflict with another IRQ code and all that shit. I always think that every time I put I put putty on a new device I haven't used before because you still have to on putty figure out which which input yeah which com port it um, is com port is on I'm like that's <laughs> that 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 always reminds me of the old school finding your IRQs oh man it's um and, and and it's funny because you you know I have I have a bunch of certifications um I'm still some of my certifications are you know still ongoing because back when they didn't expire every three years like they do now um like i'm i'm microsoft certified in office 2003 that's been very helpful um, in my career um and you know surprisingly so to to get certified in office 2003 i had to take tests based on all the office apps so out of the five apps outlook word excel powerpoint and access can you guess which one was the hardest one Logically, I would think it would have been probably access, but since it's a question, I'm going to make, I'm going to think it's probably not that. I, I would assume it would be access, but was it not access? It wasn't access. The word. It, it was word. Like word was the hardest one out of the five. Really? Because um, the the amount of and like I said, this is going back Office 2003. Just the amount of stuff they would ask you, you'd be like, what? The, who the fuck would do this in Word? Like, so I, I still recall one of the questions was, um, how do you uh, turn on safe search in Word so someone can't look up, you know, pornographic websites in Word? I'm like, what? But but back then you, you would be able to Word had its own search engine and you could turn on like safe search or something in it and and just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Because I guess it was to like find clip art back then or something. I don't know. Oh sure, sure. Okay, I, I remember that yeah. being a feature, but I never that never occurred to me. Yeah, so th- that's always fun. And then you know I got my A plus, Net plus, Security plus, um, CCNA, which is now expired. Um, and then um, I, I want to go. I did mine as well. Mine is I, I want to go for the CCNP. I want to go for the data center one. Um, not just the core one because it's I'd say that is a really big weakness of mine when it comes to networking is just like trying to design for a data center Um, because I've I've just been mainly used to like small form data centers um, and and nothing like huge because we're working on a thing now for my company like having big regionalized data centers throughout the US and it's like I'm 
kind of at a loss. Like, I, I, I don't I don't even know where to design, like where to start with designing them. But luckily, we have some people on our team that are very well versed in that. So I've just been trying to glean as much information from them from it. So, um, oh yeah, we were talking about magic. That's right. Sorry. You're talking about a deck you had just built with Rogak and uh, yeah, Ro Rogak and Falthus. So my, my whole idea, like I know it's not the most, it's not the best combo of partners and all that. Um, so it's like a Voltron theme. But my whole thing was. I, I'm trying to picture Rogak as like a D&D &D character with his pet kitty and um, he's with with a mutate sub theme to where like oh no he came across some magic that mutated him into a dirge bat or something you know or and I, I, I think it's just fun with a it's mainly Voltron but small mutate where I can make him bigger and do some stuff and it just seems fun can't wait to play it nice you, did you have the full list put together so Not far? Yet. Are you still at the point where you're like, I'm at, a, I'm at 119 cards. I need to make some cuts. No, I'm actually only at about 90 cards right now because it's um I'm trying to do like more budget because it's like I I know I can get all the expensive okay. stuff and all that for it, but I'm trying to be more sure. budget minded where I still want to make it decent though. That's a fun challenge though too. I I, I played a um a deck recently with um scrap trawlers is a is a podcast that does a lot of streaming yeah. stuff um and i did something with those guys right before christmas we had a 50 dollar um budget mm -hmm. on a commander deck so i built a and we, and we had to use commanders from the original zendikar block oh nice. so i had built rec i, I built uh, rec seal the risen deep um as a voltron commander because rec seal has island walk swamp walk and i'm like oh, well odds are right. one or two people will have or two people will have island will have islands or swamps and then there's enough ways particularly blue and black have plenty of you know this card is now an island this card is now a swamp so mm -hmm. like i i few, threw a few of those there and figured you know like urborg some oh some, shit <laughs> urborg wouldn't wouldn't make my budget but yes if you weren't stuck being on oh yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah but there's enough stuff um a blanket of night i think was one that makes it's like urborg makes all lands into swamps and it's an enchantment but it costs you know 30 cents mm -hmm. so um there's enough of those kind of effects but that was really fun uh, trying to stay under the 50 and trying to figure out okay normally i would do this with this card but i i, I can't spend six dollars on it i need to stay under 30 cents so what gets me kind of there um yeah, but that was a lot of fun and the deck wound up being perfectly effective considering yeah. you know as cheap as it is so that's it, that is a good challenge i think and it's they're fun even if you aren't going yeah, and even if you're not going to like if you're just doing it for a one-off like i did i still think it's a good exercise mentally and it makes you a better brewer and teaches you a few tricks so i think that's a very useful thing to do oh, yeah I, I love um trying to put limitations on deck building um, you know, but budget's a very easy one to do. Um, and that's where, you know, when I mentioned earlier before with the Shia, like I put the limitation of there's going to be zero creatures in this deck except a Shia. And it was just getting your wheels turning like, all right, what's the best way to build this? Um, you know, I've had other decks where, um, you know, like, okay, there can be zero artifacts or zero enchantments in this thing. Um, what's the best way to go about this? You know? Um, yeah. it, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, I think everyone should do that at least once. If you're, even if you're not a good deck builder and your whole, you're the, the only thing you do is ever go on an EDH rec and copy someone else's list. Right. Um, you know, at least put that challenge on yourself to, 
all right, let's try it out. Even if it's not the best, you know, it, it's fun. It's fun though. It's and especially with the but the one thing I like with doing budgets is um, that really gets your mind turning to you start digging deep into like other sets and cards where you're like cards you probably never ever think of or use. You're like, okay, that could work now. Yeah, I, I tend to really do that on almost all of my decks. I, I mentioned my Veil of the Nightclad deck. One of the rules of that deck is it's I, I can only run colorless creatures. So or colorless artifact creatures. Mm -hmm. So even if a creature might be effective, there's probably some Eldrazi that would work very nicely in that deck. Um, I'm only running artifact creatures. Even if there's there's some there's some color like Baleful Strix is a great card, and I'm in the right colors for Baleful Strix, but it's a colored artifact creature. Yeah. So like I've limited myself to just colorless artifact creatures. I have a deck that only the only creatures allowed are Death Touch creatures. That's fun. That's my my hard limitation there. If a creature doesn't have Death Touch, I can't put it in the deck, no matter how useful it might be. Um, I have a mono white Super Friends deck. Um, number one, that's pretty solid limitation right there. Yeah. Planeswalkers and mono white. <laughs> The only creatures in that deck have to interact with planeswalkers in some way. Like, 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 like that's my hard limitation. Like there. your planeswalkers, or just planeswalkers in general? My planeswalkers, for the most part. So okay. Like, you know, arena, arena rector, which lets me, yeah, when it dies, put a planeswalker into play. It's acceptable. Or I've allowed my. There's a couple of things that do proliferate effects in white, so that's okay. But it has to do something has to interact with my planeswalkers in some way or I don't run the creature. Do, do you have any of the intro like, deck planeswalkers and some of the tutors for them? I have one of the Elspeths, um, but I don't think I used the tutor for her. I just, I just ran, ran the Elspeth because what I found was my win condition basically is tokens. Okay, okay. So it functionally then why? Because you need some way to try to win a game so you're not just dirtling with planeswalkers yeah. all game. And it just so happens a bunch of white planeswalkers make tokens, yeah. and white has enough token support, like a naughty procession kind of effects or stuff. So I've tried to run as many of the planeswalkers to make tokens as possible, and then I have interaction with tokens in terms of enchantments or stuff. So well, the the, the um, good thing with that is that you could at least run Gideon into the trial, get the emblem, and like oh oh exactly. I have like five other Gideons out. Well, I'm still not going to lose. <laughs> A Johnny has a couple of Johnnies up. I put a counter on all creatures you control. Yeah. Well, hey, if I've got nine, nine tokens out, that's a pretty good effect as yeah, well. So, yeah, Bosser, I kind of built it as a joke. I thought it would be fun to build Jeru with eyes open. I'm like, oh, that would, what a terrible deck mono white planeswalkers would be. Let's put it together for uh, ha ha ha. Yeah. And then it, it actually went okay. That's awesome. And that was without, without me even attempting to really do so. Then that sounds like, fun okay, as hell. If I actually. <laughs> Yeah. So what if I actually tried to make it work? So it, it's, I mean, it's still not amazing. It's, you know, maybe a five or six power level tops, but I win games with it. It's good enough. Yeah, but it sounds it's, fun though. It's like. Right. And it's interesting and it's funny. And so, yeah, that's, that's my mono white deck is, is mono white planeswalker. So, you know, that gets me thinking, you know, if Pixie Kitten's listening to this, she's going to hate me. It's like, I want to do a mono blue all planeswalker deck. <laughs> Get the, all the Tezzerits, the Jaces, the Teferis. Um, God, what the hell else is there uh, that's blue? Um, Tamio. Um, what are some other mono blue planeswalkers? Um, Casmina. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. We, just, we, we had a couple of them in Kazmina. Yeah. Um, oh God. Who else? Um, is there any other mono? There's the Nars the Narset. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mono blue Narset. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
she that's one of my favorite narset planeswalkers um <laughs> no it's it's a great planeswalker when you have it and no one likes it when you when it's across the table from yeah you. yeah um god i th- there's probably more i just can't think of it right now but um um isn't there oh uh shit what's his name um oh it's on the tip of my do- venser is venser mono blue yeah original, original yeah yeah He's mono blue the one from from scars of mirrodin yeah block i think was yeah so that it, oh god my, my play group will hate me if i do that <laughs> so i think i will do it i think the biggest problem i think the biggest you, you know you would also have that problem like okay how do i win a game with this right then? how how would you um because it's not like a yeah. lot of them can build tokens like one of one of the new mono blue tesseret can it can build thopters um from m19 yeah. um but yeah a lot of them I, I mean i mean the easy route would be to also have a heavy artifact theme with it but eh, it's kind of boring you know it's sure. like that's the obvious route so yeah i don't know i don't know maybe i'll start messing around with playing with it because the mono white one sounds fun um the one i i thought if i didn't already have a mono white super friends deck there was a one of the uncommon creatures in dominaria um one of the uncommon legends was ronis disciple of of gix that nobody really played and she was the one when she comes she comes into play you exile um, or, put, or put the top five cards of your graveyard in your, I forget what, if it's exile or put the top five in your library or graveyard, whatever it is. And then you can cast one of the cards. I, I'm pretty sure it's exile. Exile with her, you can cast it. So basically okay. it gives you a chance to then cast one of the cards you exiled. Um, historic card. Um, and everyone was kind of looking at her as like an artifact commander, but there's just so many better ways to do that for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I was like, at the time, I'm like, you could build a super friends deck with her using black blue planeswalkers because then it would give you access to you know the black ones the blue ones and the black blue ones and then you can cast them when you, and, and then you can blink her because you're in blue so you can blink her to ever come back in and exile more and then oh, cast the ones that you gross. blink with her yeah uh, so i think there's a, there's a way you could build a super friends deck with her that i've never seen anybody do and if i didn't i, I don't want a second super friends deck but if i didn't have the one i have i think i could try to make rona's rona work yeah because i feel like that's one of the it's a cardinal yeah I feel like that's one of the tricky things with Super Friends is how do you make it one interesting enough to play against and play, um, and also how do you make it, you know, where you're not arch enemy number one? Because that was the big thing at, at my local game store was there's so like when Atraxa came out there were so many Atraxa Super Friends like I hate Atraxa right be, be because of that. Um, and it's like you'd see so many people, they would just combo off, you know, a chain veil and the the mono blue Teferi from um Commander 2014 and just just go from there. So it, it's it, it's like I still want a super friends deck, but but build it in an interesting way where the games just don't drag on and all that stuff too. Where you know where you don't feel like you're wasting other people's time. Yeah. And you're not playing solitaire on your turn. Like that's one of the things I hate the most. Yeah, right. Um. Mm-hmm. So, um, wh- what are some of your favorite commanders that you have? Like, w- like, like some of your favorite commander decks you have? Um. Yeah, just go from there. My um, I think my oldest deck I still have was one of the first ones I built was my Glissa the Trader deck, and that's my Death Touch deck. Okay. Um. It does glissa, it does glissa stuff. I do have like 
you know, executioner's capsule kind of cards in there that I can kill a creature and it recurs because of Glissa's ability, that kind of thing. Um, it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite decks. The biggest problem is the kind of universe of commander has basically moved beyond the power level of the deck. Yeah. Once upon a time, having a bunch of death touch creatures and, and the deck is super resilient. It doesn't it doesn't die easily. I'm very rarely the first person out. I'm usually the last. It's down to me and somebody else. It's 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 very survivable. It's the last cockroach left alive. And five years ago you could win a game being difficult to kill and just grinding everyone down to dust um, by being tough to deal with and being able to put these creatures out that no one wanted to swing into. Mm -hmm. The game doesn't quite work that way anymore. So it's still one of my favorite decks and it's a lot of fun, but but I'm very limited. I I would have to play it against slightly lower power pods and playing it against lower power pods probably isn't very fun because people that are usually playing lower power decks tend to be relatively less experienced players yeah it's probably not a very fun deck to play against less experienced players so it's in a weird spot where it's really not strong enough to play where it needs to play so i don't get to play it that much um but it's still one of my favorites because it's very very interactive because of how glissa works and it feels very flavorful because every creature has death touch and it just makes for a a terrifying wall of bodies when I have creatures out. God, yeah, because it doesn't quite got done. Yeah, God, it's still, it's still scary, because it's unless like all your creatures have indestructible, it's like they're gonna die. Yeah, and it's one of those things like they're and I I can win games, you know, I, if I draw like the right overrun because death touch creatures, I'm gonna need to deal one damage and everything carries over, so it makes overwhelming stampede and overruns more effective but you need to have the right amount of bodies out and yeah. it's, it's not a you know I, I i'm not running crater hoof because it doesn't have death touch so uh, i'm yeah. limiting yeah. myself to well, so wind conditions are tricky in that deck but it's still a lot of fun to play um so that's one of my favorites gliss is one of my favorite commanders i think she's got a really good lore story she's a very interesting uh, character from a kind of vorthos perspective mm-hmm. um Great art too, so I, I like everything about that deck. But it's 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 in a weird place right now. And, and that um, I mentioned that yeah, I mentioned my Vela deck too, and that's one I probably is one of my favorites as well right now. Nice, nice. Um, which one's Vela again? Um, is that that's the artifact artifact? Oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um. And get, it's, it's, it's super interactive, and the, that deck can usually hang at appropriate power tables. Um, so that's that's nice, but it wins a different way every time. So oh, that's once, cool. like once in a while, I will I will play the original Karn um, from Urza Saga that, and I'll animate every artifact, every mana rock I have, and swing in with with unblockable mana rocks because I have Vela out and they all have Intimidate. And then the next game, I will be able to. You know, mass sack a bunch of things to and get the Vela death triggers off of the lead the battlefield triggers. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm running six different Tezzerets in the deck. So it's, so it's kind of also my Tezzeret deck um, because a lot of Tezzeret stuff deals with damage based on artifacts you yeah. control. 
I'll have the right Tezzeret out and have a bunch of artifact bodies, and I can dome somebody for 17 damage because I have 17 artifacts in play. Oh, dude. That... Um, so it's a deck that it wins a different way every time, and that's a lot of fun. Oh, dude, that, that, those are some of my favorite decks where it's not just the one-trick pony type deck where every single time you play, it's it you're going to have a different experience and all that. Yeah. Um, th- that That's always great. Even once upon a time, I, I I wound up pulling Red Replication out of the deck. Um, but Red Replication, if you cast it on Vela, kicked, and it makes five copies of her, they all leave the battlefield, but they get to leave the battlefield triggers and see each other, so it just deals 30 damage to everybody. Yeah. So I pulled that out because it, yeah. you know, it was fun to do once or twice and after, and then, then I didn't want to do it again, but like there's there's a lot of tricks you can pull there as well. So oh, That's great. It's a really fun deck. That's great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about EDH Rec, uh, your podcast. Um, so what was the inspiration for all of you all getting together and doing this? So we kind of did a thing. When the conversation first happened among writers um, and staff about doing a, an EDH Rec cast, um, a bunch of people wanted to do it among the writing staff. And and Jason Alt is the is the content manager there. Um, oh, he, he's part Jason's of EDH like, Rec too. Oh, okay, I yeah. didn't know that. So so Jason kind of handles. So he's kind of the manager of he's content manager, but a large part of that is just managing staff. So like oh, okay, he's okay. in charge of writers and handles all of that kind of thing. I think he's the one if you submit to be a writer, he's the person probably reading your submission and and deciding if he wants to hire you as a writer or something. Okay, so he does cool. a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so a bunch of people were interested in in doing it, and Jason's like, I don't want to just. It's like, well, we're just going to record a bunch of test shows. So he like partnered up, you know, people in groups of three or four, and said, okay, guys, get together and record something, and send it to me, and I'll I'll, I'll we'll go from there. So we it was like a reality TV contest. <gasps> oh, that's almost. interesting. Um, it, it was it wasn't you know necessarily like people being eliminated, but like everyone kind of auditioned. So he, people that were interested, we, we all recorded as a group and submitted stuff. And it just so happened that Matt and Joey and I were never together, I don't think, on any of the test shows. But Jason just thought we, for the most part, all had something to say and, and were different enough from one another. We were the ones he kind of liked. So he threw us all together and was like, do a couple test shows with the three of you and we'll see if we're happy with the product. Awesome. So that's what we did. The three, the three of us got together and recorded a couple of shows and figured out what we wanted to do and kind of went from there. We had met in person at the time. We we had recorded 60 or 70 shows, I think, before we all first got together in person at GP Kansas City, I think it was, in 2019. We hadn't even met face-to-face oh, wow. until that point in time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. And you guys have like blown up a lot, too. Um, ha, ha, yeah, had a lot of yeah, good it's success. Taken off more than we, yeah, it's taken off way more than we had kind of anticipated. So, um, and they're Matt and Joey are fantastic to work with. It's been a lot of fun as well to do. So, yeah, and that's um, one of the important really glad parts. I got to be part yeah. of that. That's one of the important parts of content yes. creation is making sure you enjoy it too. Um, you know, so, so that's a bit of a different road compared to what most people do with uh, content creation, like in terms of podcasting or YouTubing, Twitch or anything like that. Because um, it, it feels like you guys had a lot of support backing you, um, n- not not just from listeners, but from like you had like an actual company 
sort of helping you guys out. Yeah. Um, and so what, what was, I guess that would have really benefited you like getting out there noticed and you already had a well-established site that a lot of people go to. Um, do you feel like that was a lot of onus of what helped you guys become popular like that? definitely helped um so i'd already been and, and I, I and i'm still on it i still do a show called commander central um so i had already been recording at that point too i, I think we had at commander central had done 100 episodes at that point mm-hmm. in time um and that started basically the the play group i played with here in town um our lgs happened to be a block or so from where I worked. And in between my office and that LGS was a bar that serves really good pizza. So we would meet at this bar after work, um, have a beer, have a pizza, and then go to the LGS and play commander night every, you know, every Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and of course, while we're drinking and eating and getting ready to go play, we talked about commander, yeah. <laughs> you know, this group of like six or seven guys. And it's, at that point in time, it's, it's command zone and mm. commander in, and maybe commander's brew. And there's no content out there. We're, we're talking 2015 ish or so yeah, right now. Yeah, there wasn't a and lot. Just, Hey, Hey, we should record this conversation that we have while we're having pizza and beer. And it would be, it could kind of be a podcast and then like three of us were like well why don't we actually do that just for a hobby like, yeah. just for something fun to do we had we had no intention of anyone if if 20 people listen that would be great so you know we just started basically doing a show for fun with with a couple of us one night a week um and, and have had some some modest amount of success doing that and then because i was doing that I'm like okay well i I'm, I'm putting content out there um and in part, like I said, we were probably helped by the fact that there was, wasn't many shows putting things out at that point in time. Mm-hmm. That is kind of when um, uh, uh, CCL, Commander Cookout in, yeah. up in Canada, has started doing their stuff too. And because we started at the same time with them, we kind of became friends with those guys. And Commander Social, which I think they were Brothers War at the time, yeah, yeah. Um, down in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. they were, had just started kicking things off. And there's the show Legendary Creature those guys are in in Utah. They, so all of these shows kind of had the same idea. There's only like three Commander shows. Let's, let's start doing one with our friends. Um, so we all got to know one another because at that point in time, there's Command Zone, Commander's Brew, and there's us four or five little shows yeah. and, and nobody else. So then we all became friends and, you know, exchanged ideas. And then I'm doing this. I'm like, well, I'm doing this fun hobby. What else could I do in this sphere? Hey, EDH Rec is a site I use, and they've just started publishing articles. Why don't I see if I can write for EDH Rec? Uh, you know, what's the worst they can say? No. So I submitted an article, and they liked the idea. So I started writing for EDH Rec and got involved with those people and – once the idea for the podcast came up and I, and I definitely had an advantage by number one, kind of being slightly known because of commander Central yeah. and as a writer. And I had experience like yeah. just, just doing a podcast for 70 episodes is going to naturally give you an edge when it comes to, you know, doing a podcast. Oh yeah. So um, that helped help me get my foot in the door there as well. When we had those auditions, and then absolutely, once you have that brand built in, because EDH Rec, the front page, I mean, I, I, I've seen the numbers and I can't remember off the top of my head, but like they get more eyeballs on the front page of that than 
the Watsi main site does on, on a daily basis. Like the, the traffic that comes through that page is insane. And just having our show pop up on that front page whenever we re- would record it on, on Friday, that alone, let alone the name, oh yeah, helped us tremendously just from the get-go. And then once you get that big burst of viewership, and then it, it very much then snowballs from that point on. So it absolutely helped a ton having that and, and, and equipment like okay, we have EDH Rex backing. We all you know need nice microphones. Well, EDH Rex bought us nice microphones, like because there's a company there. We're not putting stuff on a credit card hoping to pay it off with Patreon <laughs> money later on. EDH Rex could just bake that into their budget. Yeah, and and buy us some hardware and was a huge advantage dude that's awesome so, yeah that's awesome um our commander central i feel like god are, are you guys still doing that or yeah. okay okay because i can't and it's just it's too funny too funny to find here locally yeah because i'll be honest it, right, would... it's like i i know of commander central it's just i can't i'll be honest i can't keep up with all the magic content out there it's nowadays there's there's 50 shows. I can't either. I, 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 and one of the things actually I've been doing the last couple of weeks is I've been trying to find one that I've never listened to yeah. and actually giving them a listen just just to like try something different. So I've been yeah. doing that lately. But there's a ton of content out there now. And in a way, there wasn't absolutely not four years ago. Oh, dude. So, yeah, I started Magic with Zuby back in 2016. And j- just like you were saying, I there weren't a lot of podcasts out there. And, you know, my show has definitely evolved into it, it's now mi- basically an interview show at this point because it wasn't like that at the beginning. Um, and, and and even now, there's still not a whole lot of shows out there that do interviews or anything like that. There's there's Humans yeah. of Magic is the only other one. And then Sam Tang used to have one. Um, I completely forget the name of it. Um, he, he, he stopped doing it though after a while. Um, and I just don't know of any other magic podcasts that go out and interview other people like this. So, but it's, um, but yeah, there aren't many, if any, that I can think of, uh, uh, Ryan from CCO does one, um, commander ad populum. He does kind of a, a shorter interview as well, but yeah, there's not much stuff out there that does anything like this, which is really useful because it gives you a niche. Otherwise just one more show talking about commander uh, among the 40 of them. Yeah. It's, and, and that's the thing that I, that I enjoy. Cause it's, I, my favorite kind of podcasts are the long form interviews, right? I, I love them because you get to really know the person, you know, e- even if you're not talking about deep, you know, intelligence, in, intelligence stuff, you know, just getting to just have a conversation, all that. That's what I love. Um, and so, and that's where I've sort of transitioned my podcast into. And, you know, it's, not the most popular or anything out there, but it has its niche of listeners that they love the long form podcast. Cause let, let's be honest. I, I'll be honest here that the podcasts that do well that I see out there are the ones that are the more niche of, Hey, we're going to be talking about cards or talk about decks and stuff like that. I, I, I get that, but there's no one out there that's really diving into someone like, you know, what makes Dana Roach tick? Why does he build decks like this? You know, what does Dana Roach do? You know what I mean? Sure. Well, and, and in your case, you're somebody who has a job mm-hmm. that's that's paying bills and keeping the lights on and keeping food on the table, and you're not doing this with hopes of like being a content creator full time. I wouldn't want to. So, anyway. <laughs> so, and, and I'm very much in the same boat. So if it's not fun for you, if it's not what you want to do, or or 
like doing your own thing. I understand why sometimes you have to do the, you know, the 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 top biggest mistakes Watsy made in 2020. Oh yeah. Um clickbait videos get you views. And I am not gonna begrudge someone from doing that when you need to get 30,000 views per video once a week in order to be able to, you know, pay your rent. Yeah. Um, I, but I'm not a person. I, I don't need to do that. So I don't want to make that video because I just don't need to do it. It's not something that I need to pay my bills. I have a job full time. I have no career ambitions in this field. It's something I'm doing for fun. So if I'm just doing it for fun, I should do the things that are fun for me. I should. I don't. I don't need to to have to make those concessions, which is a very privileged place to be in. Oh, for for sure. And I think even people starting off, um, that needs to be, you know your mindset too like if this is not fun then you should not be doing it because let's be honest like i i see so many people out there that you know they start content creation like oh you know i want to make it big i want to make this a full-time job i feel like they're not thinking through all the way in terms of what is this really gonna entail and how how successful do you need to be to even keep afloat right like be be even profitable doing this and God, like when I when I see full time content creators like Pleasant Kenobi or Prof or anything, and they're full time, it's like the amount of work they're doing. I'm like, nope. And, and they have like no fallback, no cushion. There's there's no unemployment or anything like that. Like like, nope. I'm good. <laughs> no days off, no vacation. Right? It's, yeah. I no. That doesn't interest me. And, and, and you know, props to in respect. Yeah, yeah. Props to people who do that and can afford to do that and all that. Um. It's it's something I definitely don't do. And there was a back in 2019, I thought I was going to be done. Right. Because and and I know people say you shouldn't pay attention to numbers and analytics and all that stuff. But you, you want to know when something's doing good. Right. You, you want to know, sure. like, hey, is this the content that people are liking? And dude, something happened in 2019, like where all my downloads just <laughs> crashed hard. Um, and so I thought about quitting and then. As I'm just like, what's the fucking point? Like, I'm barely getting a hundred downloads an episode. Where it's like, I I would average one to two thousand downloads, right? Just I don't know if it was like my podcast host or something, but um, so I, I just kept on trudging along. And like last year, due to the pan, maybe it was due to the pandemic. Like, dude, I had like a record year last year. Um, and um, and then plus now that I'm streaming at least once a month or not uh, once a week, I mean, um it's been it's been more fun than ever like i i'm i'm going on five years of doing this and i'm having more fun now than i was when i first started i would say the same thing is definitely true for me as well and this is my this is my creative outlet this oh yeah is my hobby I, I don't i'm not you know playing in three golf leagues a week or i don't you know paint um this is what i do it's a it's it's my it's a hobby combined with a creative outlet um and it's also it's very like personally satisfying for me i definitely enjoy it and it makes the rest of my life better having this outlet oh yeah and the one thing that i've noticed with podcasting that has helped a lot is just being able to talk to people like you and i have never talked before you you know like twitter yeah twitter change and all that stuff but it's helped me be able to when i meet a stranger whatever like i'm able to talk a lot better and all that stuff um the the other thing that i noticed too is um because i used to be a when i used to be an it manager i'd have to interview you know 
however many fucking people. Holy shit. I've, I've got stories just about interviewing people. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, for, for IT jobs. Just like, how the fuck did you ever work in IT? <laughs> um, the but But even, but doing this podcast has helped me interview people a lot better. Um, for jobs and also has made me become a better interviewee as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've not, I haven't had to be an interviewee at a job situation before, but yes, it absolutely has made a big difference, particularly in those casual conversations, somebody you meet somewhere and you need to, it's, it's helped smooth those interactions out for sure. And even just like playing with people at my LGS too, when you or, or at a at a Magic Fest, go to a, go to an event, and I'm playing with three strangers, I'm so much more comfortable yeah. sitting down at a table with people I don't know, playing a game of Magic, and being able to just you know smoothly talk to them and have conversations about power or whatever conversation you're having, and not feeling uncomfortable or awkward or anything. Not that I'm very introverted; I, I'm relatively extroverted, yeah. I think, but. It's it's absolutely made that so much easier. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, just like meeting people at uh, GPs and all that stuff. Um, dude, I, I think one of the first times I noticed that I was a little bit blown away at actually having listeners because l- l- let's be honest, like when you know you see the numbers, you see the downloads, but then there there are times like you may not get any kind of feedback on your show at all or anything. Um, and when I when I went to GP Dallas back in 2018, um, I worked with Channel Fireball um, during that. And dude, I had and th- that was back when they did the Spell Slinger events, where like, hey, meet your favorite content creator and play Magic with them. And it was like a four hour time slot, dude. That entire four hours, I had people lining up wanting to play me, and I'm all like, holy fuck! Like, what is going on? Like, people wanted me to sign cards for them, and I'm all like, uh. <laughs> The first time someone asked me to sign a card, I thought they were kind of messing with me. Yeah, I didn't like, I was like, sorry, but like, what? You don't know. And, and I, I, I've seen, and now I've seen other people have that reaction as well that are like new to it, and they're, and I'm, I'm playing with them at an event, and someone asks them to sign a card, and they're like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's super. Yeah, it's super strange to it, have to have that. It, it, it's humbling. It's strange. It's also kind of like, and, and it's weird when you know because. I'm the type of person where, uh, like it, like I I want to try to help newer content creators out there, especially like podcasters, right? Because you know, there's a lot out there that people just don't know, and um, and I've learned over the years too, like that I didn't know, and um, and I love helping out, and when it's, you know, I, I feel like it's a bit humbling, and it just to try to help them out and to see them succeed and all that stuff too. It's great. Um, the, well, the, the, at commander central, um, you know, we were probably 25 episodes in or so, um, and getting, you know, 400 listens a week or something, 500 listens a week, which I was still thrilled with. I'm like, I was amazed because no video content, that's just podcast content. So that's just audio. Um, never thought we'd hit that limit. And I was actually driving to Ohio actually for, for, to, for work to that other, my other office, mm-hmm. listening to some podcasts or something. And I stopped to gas up, um, and was checking my phone for, t- on checking Twitter. And I saw I had a, like way more, alerts than I usually had and um, DJ at Jumbo Commander had like posted something listening to the newest Commander Central really big fan of the show and 
number one, it hit a bunch of, uh, of Twitter follows. And then number two, when we went from, you know, 400 or so listens that week to like eight or 900. And those numbers obviously dropped back down a little bit, mm-hmm. but they didn't drop back down to 400. They stayed at like 700 or 800. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that was a 20, I want to say 2017. Um, and then DJ had that then reached out to, to, to my co-host Max and I, cause we were going to Vegas. He's like, Hey, you guys want to come, you know, I'm going to be there a night early on Wednesday. You want to come play a game with me and we can, you know, talk about, about podcast stuff. He had no, absolutely no reason to do that. Yeah. Number one, to, to bump us on Twitter. And number two, ask us to come hang out and play a game. Um, he did that. And that helped me tremendously when we were starting out. And it was a ridiculously nice thing for him to do. Yeah. So I, I have, now that I've achieved some level of success here, that's what talking about me listening to podcasts I haven't listened to. That's one of the things I've been, I've, I've attempted to then kind of pay that forward by listening to smaller shows and giving yeah. them a bump as well, because it, as small as that bump may be, I'm, I don't want to sound arrogant. Yeah, about no, it. I know what you um, mean. Like any small help I can give, I've been trying to kind of pay that forward because DJ didn't need to do what he did. And he, that, that was a super nice thing that helped me out tremendously when I was first starting in command zone actually did too. Again, at the time there wasn't many shows, but they had done at the end of an episode one time, um, they, they spent two minutes talking about commander central and they they mentioned CCO. Um, and I think legendary creature as well, when we were all kind of starting out as and that was also a big bump. Oh, yeah. That was, I think, after the DJ thing. But again, they couldn't probably do that today because there's so many shows. There was a lot less at the time. But but that was a super helpful thing to to, to get legitimized as well by, like, getting mentioned on Command Zone. So I, same as you. Like, if I can pay that forward anyway, I, I've been yeah. attempting to do that. Yeah, and, and like, like I, I want to preface, too, it's not like I'm a huge podcast or anything like that. It's like, you know, I, I feel like I do decent and all that stuff um it's but when you're just starting out it doesn't matter just seeing that name that you recognize in the community that's recognizing you is a tremendous help oh yeah and it feels so so good and it's so like reaffirming and and really encouraging so for sure oh yeah um the oh god what was i gonna say um i can't remember now um, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been a wild ride doing this whole content creation thing. And it's something that I would never, ever want to, you know, like, reg- not that I'm ever going to regret doing and all that stuff. And I know at one point it's going to come to an end. Right. Um, but it's just like, I, I don't know when, and I'm just going to keep having fun while doing it, you know? And w- when it stops becoming fun, that's when I'm going to stop. Like I, I, I don't stream as much because I'll be honest, I don't like streaming arena at all. Um, it's I'm just not a fan of streaming arena like as much as I love the game it's I just don't like streaming it but streaming paper commander I love doing it like I have hell of a lot of fun doing it and it's fun you know just getting to chit chat with people and just bullshitting with chat and all that stuff it's great it's great oh oh you know it's oh sorry go Go ahead. No, no, you know, I just remembered uh, a story that I wanted to tell you um, with interviewing someone, um, and I, I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to say this didn't happen during the Trump presidency. Um, 
And, and that does matter, actually. So we were interviewing someone for, um, I want to say, like a system admin position or a network admin position or something. Um, and they had worked at the White House. I'm not going to say which presidency, but it was one of before Trump. That's all. That's all. I, I think that's all I can say. Really, he he didn't really give too many classified details about it. But I, I, I so when when we talk about you know in IT how there's a lot of stuff we have no idea what we're doing or anything. He so this guy was in charge of the the servers or or something to do something like that at the White House at the time and. So there was one day he was describing where the president had to go somewhere. And I guess there's like a person in charge of the walkie talkie system, the secret service use um, to, to be able to like coordinate, you know, making sure they can keep eyes on the president and all that. Um, and so that person was out sick and the system admin had to fill in and knew nothing about walkie talkie technology and had to keep all the secret service agents, you know, in line and coordinated and all that stuff. And he, he was like t asking his boss, like, do I have to do it? He's like, yeah, the president has to go right now. And you're the only one who can do it. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Can, no, no pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. Just, um, you know, if, if you lose the president or something, you know, eh. Wow. Kind, kind of a dude, can you imagine the pressure that'd be and all that stuff um in in a technology that like you've never ever dabbled with yeah. it's not like you've even accidentally probably encountered like you just don't know what you're doing at all yeah yeah and it, it's oh god like dude talk about a shit your pants moment like oh uh, yeah you're just you're mm -hmm. just responsible for the secret service to make sure they can still communicate with each other <laughs> should something happen wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, that was an interesting guy. Like, I kind of wish we hired him because I would have loved to pick his brain more about what he did at the White House. But there was just so much he couldn't say um, for, for good sure, for good sure. reason and all that stuff. But, you know, that, that wouldn't stop me at all from, like, trying to pick his brain. Like, yo, so so what's it like to, <laughs> you know, like, yo, yo, so what's the Oval Office like, you know, in terms of, like, technology and all that stuff? Ah. Uh. Can, can, can you imagine like working at the White House as an IT person and you, there's like an emergency, I, I don't know, the president can't get on his laptop in the Oval Office or something and he's meeting with like all these like high foreign ambassadors of other countries like, and you got to walk in like, oh shit, I'm the, the, the lone IT person. <laughs> you feel like such a peasant. It's so much worse when everyone's looking at you right. and like waiting and you're like all of a sudden you're like, remember what it said okay what's the kilo because <laughs> how do i do this where's that where's that at because it, it's because you know you and i have probably been in those situations where you know you've got you know high level executives that you know with that like ceos and all that stuff but it's like shit you got foreign powers just watching you uh, so like shit these people could like right. you know you know just say something like shoot a missile at my house or something <laughs> dude like yeah that's and that's pretty yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that. that talk, talk about some like high intensity and all that stuff. Like they, they've they've got to have like twenty four seven staff too for their IT. I'd have to assume. I don't know. I would think so. Yeah. The the weirdest job interview I've ever had IT wise um, was I had applied for kind of an entry level network position, and this was years ago. Um, the job they called me back for was way higher than 
was not that one. It was a like in charge of, it was, it was actually a small college and it would have been in charge of their, their entire IT staff, which at the time I was like, I don't, I don't feel qualified for this. I might as well go in for the interview because why not? Um, so I, I went in and it wound up being a group interview with multiple candidates. The candidates for the job were there also. So it was like a panel of five people interviewing like 10 or 12 of us. What? <laughs> but, and this was, we're talking 15 or 16 years ago or so. Yeah. And everybody else there that was applying for the job was probably in their 50s. And the first thing we had to do was like, stand up and give like a two minute summary of our job experiences <laughs> and, and and they all had and there were like you know governmental i had worked at managing this department and this thing and the, and i was like it, my, my my resume did not look at all like their resumes oh god like so my thing and, and we went through the process and there was like a break after like 90 minutes and I, I went and said, I'm just going to step out because I'm clearly not qualified. Like, okay, well, thanks for coming in. And I left. And it wasn't until I was driving home that I got thinking about, I'm like, why did they bring me in for that? That My resume clearly didn't match that. Yeah. I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, my name's Dana. I think they wanted to at least say they interviewed a woman for the position. Oh, so I think that they bumped. I mean, I don't know that for certain, yeah. but like nothing else made sense at all. Because it was all, it was like six or eight or 10 other, you know, 50 year old men that had insane resumes compared to what I had to yeah. manage a job I wasn't qualified for. <clears throat> Dude. And I, hey, I have, but, but, but I, for that hour, I'm like, why am I, I'm just shell shocked. I'm like, why am I here? I can't, none of this stuff makes sense. I don't even know it what was, a network switch is. <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> it was just like high level, a lot of it was like high level, like budget oh, yeah, yeah. conversations. Or like grant application questions. What? Oh God! Right? No how to even deal with or like? Have you dealt with like this particular tax code in terms of like seeking out federal grants what for the you know fuck? Whatever, <laughs> stuff? Right? Oh my God! So it was a miserable experience for one, and I knew I wasn't going to get the job, but I like didn't have a chance to. I didn't want to like just walk out in the middle of the whole process. Holy so shit. I said it was. It was rough, and in in hindsight, I'm 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 certain that's the only reason I was called in for it. Wow, that's insane! That's insane. My um, so when when we did our interview process, um, we did something called a box test because a lot of what we interviewed was a lot of like help desk people, you know, level one, level two help desk, and all that. And our box test would be we'd have a box of hardware. They would have to be able to identify parts like you know hard drives, memory, certain types of cables. And stuff like that. And as dumb as it sounds, it weeded out so many people that would just embellish their resume. Because, um, you know, we, we would get the uh, cert kings, we'd call them. You know, people who had like, you know, 50 certs or whatever. Um, or or they claim they had all this experience with XYZ and all that stuff. And then after you get, after a while, you get really good at sussing out the imposters, you know. <laughs> and, um. So when you give them this box test, though, oh, dude, some of the the funny times we had just we'd literally get people look at a hard drive and have to take a moment like to figure out what it is. And you're just like, OK, you're done. You're done. <laughs> you can't you can't even 
tell us like, oh, this is a hard drive immediately. Like, get out of here. Just get out. You're done. <laughs> oh man. I like that. It's a really good test. I will have to remember that. That's that's clever. You, you know. You know. Since you're a network. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite ones I, I always found it really was effective too was to ask people what's the biggest screw up they've ever made at a job in, in terms of networking because if if you haven't made a big mistake I don't know if you've ever if you've been doing enough networking like if you haven't screwed something up at one point in time I then I I feel like you haven't been trusted with enough stuff at, right. at that point because everyone's made something big mistake and then i want to know how you fixed it how did you back out of that or how did you like repair that but if you haven't been in that position i don't know if you've ever really been entrusted with the uh, with, with the things you're trying to do at this job i have never ever ever taken down the entire company because i accidentally created a network loop never happened never happened <laughs> my, my big one would have been plugging in a, a used switch we had to buy in a hurry that I erased the config, but I didn't change the, I didn't check the VTP settings. Oh, God. And I also had a couple devices that were still on, this, this was when years ago, that were still learn, that, that would learn VTP settings from a master device in the network. Oh. So it changed VTP on multiple switches oh, then shit. on the network once I Oh, shit. And had to. So I figured out what that, and it was a relatively easy fix once I, I mean, but I had to physically go to each device, change them because they weren't on the net, they fell off the network then and I had no way to get to them because they were using foreign VTP configurations yeah. from this previous somewhere else. So once I realized what it was, but it took, you know, half of the building down at the time. Yeah. That's, that's my, that would be my answer to that question as well, but I think I screwed up. So. Yeah. I mean, mine only took like a couple minutes to fix when I realized the configuration I put in like, Oh shit, that's going to cause a loop. Fuck. <laughs> and then, and then have every doctor calling the help desk and I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> it was, so, so my favorite thing was like, it was just transient conditions on the network. All right. <laughs> just <laughs> there, there were some roadblocks. <laughs> and we had, we had a uh, unavoidable failure and it's been replaced right. and we now have a redundant in place exactly exactly um the the so it, it's funny so another thing that we would do like when we would interview system admin people or network admin people i would have a particular list of questions just for them dude the amount of freaking um idiots that i would get for like network admin positions like I, I would I, I I have like two sections of my questions like you know these are some really basic network questions like can you tell me the difference between TCP and UDP dude I'd get people who are claiming they have X amount of years of network can't even tell me the difference between that I'm like are you kidding me or 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 tell me um you know can you tell me what a private IP address is versus a public IP address I'd get people can't tell me that like you're a network like what you know um. But one of one of my favorite questions that like I would always trip people up on, um, it's sort of like a network slash security question, and um, and y y people would get it, but they they'd always get a laugh, and I think you'll like it too. Um, is you telnet into a switch? What's the problem? Telnet isn't it? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'd for. Good. That, that would that would be a good question though i, I appreciate people would, would definitely really overthink yeah, that people I, i'd get so many people think like 
I, I don't I don't get it. What's the question? Like you tell them to the switch. What's the problem? They'd be like, uh, <laughs> and I get it. People get nervous during an interview and all that stuff. And, you know, but it's, um, you, you know, if, if I remember, I'll try to send you that list of questions. I think you might like it because um, because yeah, sure. some of them are like lab questions too, like um, s- some basic stuff. Um, but um, yeah, man. Oh shit! So it's been it's been two hours that we've recorded here. God, it's like I could go another hour, but unfortunately, I got to get ready for the EDH stream in like a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm streaming on Justin. I always pronounce his like username right. Thrix Six. Thrix Six. Okay, I've seen the name. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be streaming on his channel, and then a little bit later tonight, I'm doing like an all out EDH stream tonight um you're more than welcome to come if you want to sign up for one of my pods starting at seven tonight um, what time are you going I, i'm starting at seven tonight I i'm will, probably going until whenever it gets done i will pr- I, I can probably do that on one of the later ones let me find out what the what the family's got sure. going on today we're, we're no pressure or anything i need to actually i need to some soundproofing for my walls. I have the foam and I have the, the cloth, so I just need to build some wooden frames for around the foam and wrap it in cloth and hang it on my wall. Um, but my wife tends to go to bed pretty early, so if, if that maintains the, the case tonight, we'll shoot you a DM and we'll see what you have open. Sure. But yeah, I probably will be around, actually. Sure. I'll, I'll send you an invite to my Discord and all that because um, we do all the, the, the talking in my Discord channel. Um, for it and yeah no, no pressure if you can't make it or anything i know it's super last minute but um it's like i've got a lot of magic to play today so <laughs> which it's it's good and then That's a pretty good Saturday. oh yeah oh yeah um so uh give a let's do our outroductions here um tell people where they can find you and all your uh content and all that so uh, EDH RecCast comes out Fridays noon-ish. Um, that's available in podcast form or on YouTube. The YouTube um, is probably worth watching. The video content is very nicely produced by um, Command Zone. Actually takes care of our production. Oh, really? Ooh, so it's cool. a really good-looking show. That's worth um, And my other show, Commander Central, comes out on Mondays in podcast form, although we are on YouTube, but there's nothing really for the most part other than a logo. Yeah. So um, that's available there as well. I haven't been writing for the last two months in EDH Rec just because I had a couple of work projects. I just took two months off. But most of the time, I'll have a, a multiple articles per month in EDH Rec as well. And hopefully that will kick up here again this month. Sweet. So you can find me at all those locations. I'm on Twitter at Dana Roach. I'm pretty active there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming. I had a great time chatting with you. And um, shit, like I said, I, I think we could probably just do a whole podcast on just talking about our networking life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thank you again and hope you have a great great day all right we'll do. all right hey everybody thank you all for listening to the show i hope you all really enjoyed it um dana was a great guest to talk to and um just a lot of fun had great time chatting and i could have kept going but unfortunately i had a hard stop where i had to get ready to go play some magic on twitch um i, I know terrible thing um, no, but it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, playing some EDH on Twitch. So, um, 
Yeah. So thank you all again for listening. Be sure if you aren't already, go and listen to EDHREC podcast and Command Central and go follow Dana Roach on Twitter and all that. Um, really good guy. And yeah. So thank you all again for listening and watching. Hope you have a great day. Fucking drop the mouse. Are you fucking kidding me? God. I don't know. Should I even edit that in or keep it in? I don't know. We'll figure it out.